Welcome to Event Quest. This is your host, Jortwan slash Cham. Uh, we're going to be talking about, um, I, goodness gracious, Midnight Hunt. Innistrad, uh, Midnight Hunt. And, yeah. Um, Innistrad colon Midnight Hunt, uh, which is sort of like the werewolf set that oddly has a lot of not werewolves too, which is exciting. But yeah, mostly werewolves. Um, joined by co-host Chance. Josh Darth, how you doing? Doing good. I can breathe. It's awesome. Yeah, we both had bad colds, so which mine developed into a full ear infection at some point. So that was terrible. Um, hope you've been doing better, Matt. How you doing? <laughs> I am almost obnoxiously healthy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Constitution saves fear of mine. I might have changed that this week if we had met up. <laughs> yeah. No, overall, doing well. Glad to be here tonight. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, so, the uh, Innistrad set, um, I particularly was not super excited about this set, even though I had a werewolf and a wolf deck that has since been, like, torn apart. Um, so, like, I'm kind of surprised by some of the things we've, you know, we've, we've, we've seen spoiled so far, or, you know, everything's spoiled by the time we do this, so, um, how do you guys feel about the set going into it before we, we talk completely about our, our cards? I think it takes to mention that they've kind of globalized what face a double-faced transforming card will be on, so they have Daybound and Nightbound. And it kind of mm -hmm. has the expectation that we used to have. Oh, if nobody casts spells on this turn, day becomes night. You know, front, you know, sun face becomes moon face. It's kind of like the old way you could think about it. And right. night becomes day if one person's cast two spells that turn. But now it's become this, like, global status marked by this token that has day and night. So it can become mm -hmm. night, and then you cast a card, like, you know, a legendary werewolf we'll talk about. And if it's night, he actually enters play on his nightbound side. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool that they've kind of done this global, kind of makes it all easier to understand. Standard would probably be really nice for this, but they've made a terrible mistake of not eroding old things to be day and night bound. Yeah, big, hard time agree. Uh, I, mm. I had a strong suspicion going into this set when it was first announced that, that they would, or it was a combination of a suspicion and a hope that they would try to, I'm going to use the phrase correct, the werewolf issue, because as originally conceived... The, the triggering conditions for, for werewolves was just too awkward and not consistent enough, at least in my opinion. And so I I think making it a global check is a, a good step, but not enough. Uh, and then <laughs> definitely the fact that they didn't errata the old ones is a, is a huge miss. It also really sucks that the way Daybound Nightbound works the old moon mist card doesn't transform them. Yeah, yeah. Because it's still bound to that day-night cycle, and it just... Now you'll transform other things. Yeah. But 
Yeah. And we have a new card that makes it night. So, eh, Again, I don't know. Not, not quite enough. <laughs> It'll be messy. I think you, we, we, Commander using old wolves and new wolf, werewolves, like it, it'll just be messy. And yeah, it's just life. I mean, the maybe the plus is that there weren't a ton of good werewolves anyway. It was more a lot of desperation. Like you just needed yeah every werewolf you could get your hands on. So as they print more the- using daybound, nightbound, I think. With a couple exceptions, it'll eventually weed out most of the old ones from play. Which, and I imagine Crimson Vow yeah. will give us some werewolves. Like, there's no way. That oh we yeah. Wouldn't. You mean, a, I mean we got yeah, a, Crimson Vow? Yeah. We got a a couple vampires. I mean, hell, we got a vampire noble in this one. So. This, yeah. I mean, this set feels very heavy on the werewolves and spirits, and so I have a f- feeling that uh, Crimson Vow is going to give us more of the humans and vampires. Yeah, I could dig it. Yep. Alrighty. Um, so, explanation to the listeners here. We're going to talk about talk about five cards each, and then we're going to talk about a sixth card, which we would like to build a commander deck around. Um, that you know we usually play all com- we all usually play commander. So, <coughs> why not talk about that? Sorry, I ran out of breath and then I coughed. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> well, pops out of nowhere. So, um, Matt, why don't you lead us off with our first card for the night? All right. For, for my first choice, uh, I went with uh, Vanquish the Horde. Uh, this is a white sorcery for six generic and two white mana at rare. Uh, this spell costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield. It has the text, Destroy All Creatures. Uh, flavor text, Odric took no joy in violence, but neither did he mourn for the twisted things he dispatched. All that mattered were the lives he had saved. Uh, so, chose this for a number of reasons. One, love Odric. Uh, little disappointed we didn't get him in this set, but fingers crossed we'll, uh, fingers crossed we'll see him in, in Crimson Vow. Uh, he's one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters from Innistrad. And uh, so, hopefully, and his art on this looks really excellent, but Mechanically, this this feels very much like White's version of Blasphemous Act, which also, I believe, premiered in the original Innistrad, didn't it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, a White version of, of Blasphemous Act doing a very White effect of destroying all creatures. In, uh, in the post-regeneration era, it doesn't have that, that uh, clarifying text that they can't be regenerated because they don't print regenerate creatures anymore. Uh, so, looking at the global history of board wipes it suffers a little on that axis but the fact that you could potentially sweep the board for two white especially i mean in a commander game i feel like very rarely are you going to pay more than than two or three mana for this and that's phenomenal that's a really excellent rate so i think this becomes a really strong new contender for any deck running white when you're looking for that board wipe slot Uh, i just think it's a great card Mm -hmm. yeah i i like it because we've had board wipes that try to make themselves cheaper there's a uh, board wipe with undaunted so it costs less for each opponent so in a four player game it is wrath of god like right but but that later in the game it gets worse and worse (laughs) right at that point why aren't you playing wrath of god (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean we've played eight player Uh, games but 
not often. Yeah, <laughs> and and we'll we'll circle back to this with one of my ne- with one of my other picks tonight. Uh, but I feel like for the last several sets, we've had a real dearth of quality board wipes. It's it feels like it's been a long time since we had a a really good new board wipe introduced into the format. And this set, I feel, is bringing us two of them. Vanquish the Horde being a, a big one. Mm-hmm. I feel that I feel that's a incongruous statement. Good board wipe. <laughs> what it does, it Sorry, does well. I just had to say it. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like it. <laughs> I, have, I I am vehemently against the idea of board wipe as a person that likes to go both tall and wide. <laughs> just spend your twenty dollars on uh, uh, was it heroic intervention? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cards. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, it's nice that we're kind of getting a nod towards Blasphemous Act. I think that part's really cool. You know, counting creatures again being a nice way to check how easy this should be to cast. Yeah. I do think it's going to be funny that you probably can never spend eight mana on this because there should at least be something in play. And you shouldn't be casting if there's nothing in play. So the fun, it's funny to look at this and be an eight drop. Like it's literally never an eight drop. Yeah. You could be casting it for storm count. And then I think you're going to lose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So vanquish the horde, destroy everything. I like the flavor text on it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, lot of um, insight to Odric as a character. If you're not familiar with him, you know, having not played before or, or something. Innistrad came out literally the set before I started getting into Magic heavily, so I had to deal with Innistrad's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, being a return to Ravnica player at the time. And only having Ravnica cards, so like I didn't have a lot to deal with, you know, stuff like Thrag Tusk and that kind of thing. Yeah, because they were getting away from it. So, yeah, uh, it's a nice introduction to Odric there. I like it. Um, so, Chance, what's what's your uh, what's your first pick for the night? I'm kind of cheating. I'm just saying there's a rare. There's a new rare dual land cycle. We've got uh, allied lands, and for example, we have Shipwreck March Marsh as the blue-black. They all have my name, so Shipwreck Marsh, and there's a battlefield tapped unless you control two or more other lands. So it's kind of funny that we get, instead of fast lands that we've had before from like Kaladesh, these both would be untapped if there's two other lands. But this is untapped throughout more of the game, which, for for the commander I want to play, that's what I care about. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll cast early drops, I'll take tap lands early on, because I can give up a one or a two drop. But, especially when you're, like, top decking, I need a land, and getting your Seachrome Coast <laughs> that's going to be tapped. <laughs> like, hmm, this feels like a guild gate right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just mm-hmm. think it's neat, I... I'm getting some nice visuals, you know, through the artworks. Because we have Overgrown Farmland as the green-white. Deserted Beach as the blue-white. Shipwreck Marsh, blue-black. Haunted Ridge, red-black. And Rockfall Vale, so red-green. There's also some nice full arts of these. You know, all the showcases and 
happy booster fun time stuff we do now and i think these are really neat um (laughs) it's definitely nice to see a new kind of land but it, it always adds to my like increasing frustration of okay here's half of the 10 dual lands we should have is crimson Val just going to make me happy and give me the others i bet you not but <laughs> it's at least going to give me that little bit of glimmer of hope and sadness yeah i feel like i need a marker board with all the incomplete cycle stuff that we go through uh but yeah they're fine like i'm going to be excited to play these this is going to be something that i even if they're not worth the pack if i crack a pack and one of these are in there i'm going to feel like okay it's a rare dual land that's playable and as time goes on they'll get a little expensive yeah and it's just something i think will add to the list of lands that you can just play that are hopefully reasonable because as they're in a standard set they shouldn't be too expensive yeah i i would mark these as ones if they come out out of the gate for like a couple bucks a hit pick up a play set just to have them because i i think you're spot on especially in the commander these seem like they're going to be really good because more often than not you're going to be playing them later in the game when you definitely have more than two lands in play and yeah there's gonna yeah there's a lot of opportunity too to take the hit when you know you can or if you're actually playing like competitive commander you don't look at lands like this anyway (laughs) right yeah you just have fetch lands your abra duel and a shock land or two and then you don't need to worry about anything else right I really like the full art. It's okay. like the Haunted Ridge. You can kind of see this mountain range with the sun peeking behind it. And I'm, I'm guessing it's setting because that's the scarier thing in Strad is the sun setting. <laughs> right. With the whole day-night mechanic and night being scary as hell. Some of these cards get like really... Like even just the artwork get like really scary just on the night side. I mean, it is like, a horror set, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean... You see the mystic oh. mask? The thing yeah. that turns into, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> At least we can advertise this time it's tentacle-free. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Innistrad, now tentacle-free. <laughs> hey. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's important to me. Okay, so uh, my first pick of the night is um, the Moonvale Regent. Uh, which is three and a red for a 4-4 dragon. Um, Flying, whenever you cast a spell, you may discard a a card from your hand. If you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. And when... Huh? You may discard your hand, your whole hand. Whatever. Your whole hand. And then uh, when Moondale Regent dies, it deals X damage to any uh, target where X is the number of colors among permanents you control. I like this because it's a nice, um, it's a dragon that, you don't often get a lot of dragons that just don't work with other dragons or that kind of thing. Like a lot of times dragons end up being very tribal to each other or dealing with treasure recently. (laughs) Um, I like that this thing is like, hey, let's, let's play some multicolor stuff and I'm going to benefit from that. And anytime you get a, get a card that really fits in a multicolor theme like this. Uh, I kind I kind of enjoy it just so you can slot it in um, and get some shenanigans out of it too. Yeah, it is discard your hand. I'm rereading it. Um, so 
And then also being able to pitch your hand and redraw if you don't like what you got in a certain situation is really good. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I'm just going to... You may get less than what your hand was, or if you don't have a hand, like... <laughs> or <laughs> or I mean, stuff like that, or, or if you've got one card or some like, sure you're getting <laughs> you're getting one for one, but I think you might be talking the purest upside of this card. You uh, you hand out, you have this in play, you cast your five color uh, dragon commander. I will discard my hand, gesture empty hands towards graveyard and draw five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah, like... Mechanically... Go ahead, Chance. I was going to say, I really like... The more I'm looking at it, I really like the, like, stained glass look his wings have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the art is really beautiful. Uh, mechanically, this... I, I agree with your assessment, Cham. Like, I, I always appreciate... Well, okay. We'll get to that later, but I don't always appreciate when they when they give us a creature that, that takes a hard left from what its tribe usually cares about. Um, yeah. But but mechanically, I, I do, I like what it does, but I always feel a, like a non-bow, like a, a downbeat when they give us something like this on a monocolor creature because in a, in a multicolor matters tribal deck, a monocolor dragon that cares about multicolor feels weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, but multicolor doesn't always care about every card being multicolor. It's, no, that's it's a true. Variety of colors in your deck. I recognize that that's a bias on my part because, like, I I think about just wanting to do like full on Wooberg tribal, where virtually every spell in the deck is is Wooberg, if not double Wooberg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he also comes up as kind of a nice enabler for as much as the Ur Dragon has a lot of clout as a you know five color dragon nonsense, and now Tiamat has probably taken some of that thrown away. But Scion of Ur-Dragon, I think this is a really good fit for that deck. Because now instead of all of these combo chains and stuff that you're always worried about, now you can become this, cast your multicolor interactive spell when you know you need to cycle your hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it it gives you a lot of options on a four drop. That was like... Go ahead, Cham. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, on a four drop, that there's a lot that you can do with this. That you can now. Granted, a four drop isn't you know incredibly expensive, nor is it incredibly cheap. It's you know kind of middle of the road, but still, you know, turn you know if you're you're going on an average curve of like you know turn four, you're playing this, and you're not doing bad. You know, if this comes out turn four, you got options. Mm-hmm. Right, I was gonna ask what's the what's the comfortable floor? Like if you're casting a two color spell, do you feel mm-hmm. do you feel okay about that? If you're casting, you know, do you do you feel like you need to be casting a three or more color spell to really feel no. like you're getting the the mileage out of this? I think it's I think two is fine. One and two is do I need other things because. No matter how you look at it, if your hand is just lands or spells you know that don't matter, yeah, pitching to draw one card, hey, you're that you're, they're there a turn faster, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's you know, and the two color options, if I have some so-so stuff, I think that I take that to, what kind of power level game am I playing? Am I playing to the situation that 
I have to take risks because if I don't, my not powerful things are going to cost me the game. But once you're at three or more, I think you're pretty heavily incentivized to sequence it so you get most cards out of your hand or dig for interaction. Like I can definitely see this being fantastic through just being a way to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do want to comment the art, as you said, it, it is very great, but th- there's a thing about industry dragons being these sort of live moon beasts in serpentine form. There's another, um, is it just called the Moonvale dragon? I think, right? It's the, it's the, it's a fire breathing one. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the same sort of design that, that looks really cool. I really like the style of dragon as well. Mm-hmm. The very <clears throat> serpentine with uh, exaggerated horns. Um, I really like it. It's. Yeah. I am really excited it, to play against this card in my local commander league. <laughs> the first time that someone thinks they're going to draw cards by activating the ability after casting an artifact that's colorless. <laughs> I'm really excited to be like, Okay, discard your hand. Please draw zero cards. Nothing. I would. I would hope people would not fall for that. But yeah. Oh, I've played. I've played there. I know. It's a non-zero amount, <laughs> and I might do it eventually. Like yeah. I can really see the big get got with this card being. You're playing five color dragons. You decided to play Morophon as your commander. And then you mm. morph on, trigger the ability, think you're going to draw five because you're a five-color deck. I'm going to know. Morphon's identity might be five colors, but he is colorless. Yeah. No, you'll have to you'll have to go for something a little more complicated. Could you imagine, though, casting Progenitus and then activating this? <laughs> if... Something like that. If Lucky Charms isn't trying to swear off a permanence completely because of Cody. Like, this would definitely be a great redraw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in your Progenitus deck, yeah. Which you call Lucky Charms. No, it has Cody Coniferous Codex right now. That's right. But it did have... It was Progenitus to begin with. Yeah. Okay. Um, so number two for us, Matt... Alright, so my second pick, and my only werewolf, uh, is Tovalar's Huntmaster. Four generic and two green for a human werewolf at rare. Uh, it is a 6-6. When Tovalar's Huntmaster enters the battlefield, create two 2-2 two, two green wolf creature tokens. It has daybound. Uh, flavor text says, do you smell that, friends? Fear and despair. And then its werewolf side is Tovalar's Pack Leader. Uh, whenever Tovalar's pack leader enters the battlefield or attacks, create two 2-2 two, two green wolf creature tokens. It has an activated ability. You can pay two generic and two green. Another target wolf or werewolf you control fights target creature you don't control. And it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. So a slight power bump. Uh, but the, the real draw here is obviously the repeatable token generation. Uh, mm-hmm. Smarter people than me picked up on this faster. That this is essentially a green grave titan, which was yeah. already one of my favorite cards. Um, 
obviously the face side, you know, that, that you're going to see more often than not only creates the two tokens on ETB, but if you can get it to night, then you have a repeatable way to create more 2-2 green wolves. Um, so I'm actually kind of in the minority. I mean, werewolves are really cool, but because they're such a, a poorly supported tribe, there really only is the one werewolf deck that people have been trying to get off the ground for years. And mm -hmm. since I feel like there's a lot of people already kind of staked out that territory, I haven't had a lot of interest in building werewolves myself, but I do have a pet wolf deck that I've been trying to get off the ground. And this is obviously a really great piece in, in that deck. Uh, oh, the yeah. fact that mm -hmm. a lot of the better werewolf cards care about both wolves and werewolves means that I'm going to, you know, play some werewolves in my wolf deck, but it cares first and foremost about wolves on their own. And uh, this guy's going to be, I think, an all-star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that we're getting more of these cards that have do X when I enter the battlefield or attack, because we just had the the paladin, the dragonborn paladin, that enters the dungeon in the last set. So it's nice to see this thing that was kind of always bound to just the six mana, you know, titans that were the giants mm -hmm. is definitely mm -hmm. spreading out into a little more just cards in general can do these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that elf that I built that's no longer together? Tulsimir. Tulsimir. This would have gone in Tulsimir, would have made Tulsimir a hell of a lot better. And that was, that was one of the things is eventually Tulsimir ran out of wolves. And this thing would have been able to do it. And and because of some of the other decks in there, it wanted to fight. Tulsimir caused wolves to fight already. Um, so having that activated ability to fight because the wolves had death touch. <laughs> so yeah. it didn't matter if the wolf lost. The other creature lost immediately too. So um, right. I actually played this this Tulsimir deck against um, Brian at one point, and he said it was one of his favorite decks he ever played against me with. He's like, I've never seen creature control like that before. Yeah. So this is a good tool in a, in that that Tulsimir deck, which um, I don't have anymore, but it's together. Um, it's just in my it's room. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not. I thought it was torn apart, but no. um, I don't use it as often anymore because it was had a lot of lacking. So this would certainly be an easy stand-in for one of the just generic green cards in there. Yeah, and I I'm a really big fan of both fight and bite as green's uh, creature removal. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a card that, that cares about that and gives you a repeatable source of fight, it's a little over-costed <sighs> compared to, oh gosh, the other, it was another Innistrad card, I believe, that was he like taps, the original. Though. Yeah, he, he taps, but it's cheaper, but it's, yeah. So repeatable fight effects, really, really fun. Just mm -hmm. for the reasons you, you uh, mentioned, Sham, especially if you can give your board death touch then that feels really really good oh yeah no you're just you're just controlling the board state across uh, you know across the table indefinitely with those wolves well that's that's the theme of my of my bell biv demarin deck is a uh, is a fight with death touch death touch tribal mm -hmm. it works it's uh it's nasty Um, anything else to say about Tovalar? No, I'm, I'm psyched to uh, make make a bunch of wolf friends. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, second card for you tonight, Chance. We're actually going to run down to a blue common. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think I know it's what this is already. <coughs> Pardon me. So we have a blue yeah. common known as Falcon Abomination. It's two and a blue for a creature. Zombie bird. Flying. When Falcon Abomination enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. We have reminder text for Decayed. It can't block... When it attacks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. The foulest of... Foulest as an F-O-U-L-E-S-T of foul. Mm -hmm. F-O-W-L. <clears throat> Some of that was to help me say it and not be confused about if I said it right. I chose this. Mm -hmm. It is a common 2-2 flyer. Like, in draft and stuff, that's just fine. And then it makes a zombie token with decayed. So it has... It reads as some version of the first combat step after you resolve this spell target opponent chooses whether one of their creatures takes two damage or they take two damage. Which, if you put that nonsensical line of text on a flyer, that's great. <laughs> Not beyond the fact that flickering this, but I mostly chose this for the artwork. Because when I saw the artwork, all I could think of is there's a zombie stitcher or a resurrector that's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stitch falcon wings on a zombie, roll him around in cocaine, and throw him out the window. Because he looks insane. This, not to say I don't like the art or the art's bad or anything. I love the art. This is <laughs> flying bird zombie. Has this mm -hmm. absolute manic, crazy, fervorish look. It's like everything you'd expect if he had like a bird head. And the bird was like shouting and like light was coming out of its eyes. Because it's a humanoid head, it looks hilarious. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's there's not a lot of meat here. I'll probably play it in deck at some point just because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, you showed me it when you saw it, and I was like, yeah, that is just insane. It definitely <laughs> one of the most striking arts in the set. <laughs> I just, I can't, yeah. in my, my memory of magic at this point, I can't imagine any other card that I felt like you just rolled around in drugs and this is what happens. <laughs> Yeah, and to your point, Chance. I mean, I I think uh, blue black zombie decks are enough of a thing. To, like using this as a as a repeatable sack target and getting a whole bunch of decayed zombies in play. Like I, <clears throat> I, I think it's certainly playable. Yeah, I mean, you have like Gisa and Garolf. If you can sack this, they let you cast a zombie from your graveyard each turn. The four drop from uh, I think that was Shadows block, not original. Yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fine card. I'm excited. I like the artwork. With as much as I buy, I'll probably be end up keeping a foil one at least, because I like it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's not much to say about it. It's a fun-looking card. Fun-looking, uh, both in art and uh, limited, at least. Uh, very... very <laughs> it could be, could be something. That, that's something I think, you know, the... the the three of us forget a lot about as a limited environment because we're so enthralled in Commander. Um, it's nice to see some good limited cards that, you know, obviously this thing isn't going to go in a ton of our Commander decks, but... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pulling this in limited, you're not, you're not, you're not upset. You're not upset to see a 2-2 hey, flyer um, that creates a 2-2. Two -two. Doing uh, pre-release Friday. We'll see. Yeah. yeah a 2-2 flyer for three, that's a, that's a Drake. And I mean, that's been a, a super playable 
uh, limited card for years and years, and this is one with some serious upside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so uh, so mine, my next one, is uh, Smoldering Egg. So on the day side, uh, it's one and uh, a mountain for an 0-4 Dragon Egg with Defender. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, put a number of ember counters on Smoldering Egg equal to the amount of mana spent to cast this spell. That spell, sorry. Then if Smoldering Egg has seven or more ember counters on it, remove them and transform Smoldering Egg, which transmorphs into Ashmouth Dragon, a 4-4 with flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, Ashmouth Dragon deals two damage to any target. This is not an unheard of territory for dragons, but I like that it has a night side. So if you're at night, you just get this, right? Like no. if it flips. No. no. It doesn't have the daybound okay. nightbound keywords. It's just a... Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll so play why it, you'll is it flip night. It's just Why would that... you have a night side? It's just I mean, how it, they do it's... dual face cards. Yeah, it, it's a trans like they have a bunch of transforming cards that aren't daybound or nightbound. Like all the spirits no, are nightbound or nightbound. I understand that, but why would you have a moon for a day? Like it's an actual like it's a sun and it's a moon. That's it just doesn't... actually how they note front and back on these kind of cards. It's just what they do. Fuck wizards. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to our magic podcast. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is not sponsored. If wizards is not listening, so don't even don't even try that. Now it's just it's confusing that way. But either way, I still like it because this is something that you normally end up doing in dragons. For some some of them, right? It's not an unheard of thing. <clears throat> Niv Miz is a big one for casting spells and, and oh yeah, and so on. Like I have a. Um, Wizards, spells, and dragons, blue red deck right now. So, it's not terrible to go yeah. into that. Yeah. No, and it's a it's a relatively low drop for that too. I do I do enjoy the 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 sort of awakening dragons, the slumbering dragon. That's for one, that you know has a condition where it wakes up. Um, I do like these sort of like wait wait for condition dragons quite a bit too, and I like the quote on this quite a bit as well. A dragon is born, a province burns. There's also um, an egg as its creature type on the front, and that matters for Atla Palani, who mm-hmm. apparently is seeing some competitive play for Commander. So, oh snap! Adding, she probably won't care about flipping. I can't imagine that deck does a lot of instances sorceries, but just another egg might matter. There might be worse eggs that this replaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing some talk that this is like a red thing in the ice as well. For, I don't yeah. hate that. No, it's uh, thematically very similar. Uh, yeah, like you said, in the spells matter deck, it's it's going to be pretty easy to get to that seven counters and get it flipped. And I'm always a big fan of the spells like Rurikthar that punish people for casting instance of sorceries. Mm-hmm. We do want to shout out yep. our official sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh gosh! Uh, we're we're just we're just shitting all over the YouTube community today. If they, if they didn't want to sponsor you before, they will now. <laughs> no, don't bring that on me. I'd probably take it. <laughs> you have to play it, then. Be... 
your laughter sounds so musical through these Raycon wireless earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> no lie. I have, I actually have some Raycons and I actually really like them. <laughs> I have, uh, but I don't use them as often. It's like people are like, oh, I'd listen to them every day. I was like, why would you do that? Uh, I have people to talk to and not look like an asshole and <laughs> ignore. <laughs> so, so one one serious uh, counterpoint that I had to your previous card, Champ, for as much as I also enjoy the kind of slender serpentine uh, and the stained glass mm-hmm. wings on Moonvale Regent, this dragon very much does not fit that aesthetic, and I actually was no. really struck by the art on this dragon when I first checked this card out for spoiler season. I I dig it. It has kind of like mm-hmm. an oversized head and the real, real spiky horns. Mm-hmm. It looks like a mean little bastard. Yeah, I, you get the impression it's a young dragon, too. Yeah. Um, be- I mean, just hatched. It, because, <laughs> because of the oversized head and, and stuff like that as well. Um, which I, I, I like that. I, I like that that sort of... Di- and, yeah, the, the, the idea is that it, it did just hatch. Man, I really hate that now. I'm thinking about, like... That would have been so much nicer if it had like the day bound and night bound too. Because it's like I'm I'm an egg in the day and I'm a dragon at night. Like that'd have been cool. Sort of like a dragon werewolf. He yeah. de-evolves it during the day and goes back into egg form. That, uh, that feels weird. I mean, that's what Tarisk does. It just goes to sleep. You could have a Tarisk that is day and night. So, I still like, like during 10. the day. It's just a it's just like a big defender because that's what it is. It's a defender as the O four. Which, you know, in an early game, a two-drop 0-4 defender is not terrible, right? Like, I mean, Wall of them in C's play, if it just drew a card, it'd probably be C play a lot of stuff. <laughs> right, like, so so then you get you get it tonight, and it's like, I'm awakened, and I'm going to start burning shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I get it. And yeah, I've seen that day and night symbol on flip cards before, which just I was excited. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, we get the flip, but yeah. I do really like the, like, almost fireworks look of his breath. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not an event quest until Cham misreads a card or misunderstands the mechanic anyway, so. Or says the F word at least five times. I mean, without. (laughs) (laughs) I said, or drops the F bomb at least five times. Well, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Without without your misreadings, we would not have uncovered the greatest card in Strixhaven. (laughs) Ever. Ever. The greatest card ever. No, I don't even remember that card. All I know is it's black and white anymore. It was an an enchantment, I guess. It was an enchantment that did not do what you think it did. (laughs) At all. It was like, it does it once, a turn, not always. (laughs) I'm entirely the person that gets excited at a magic event and is like, I'm going to do this. That's not how that works. Fuck you. I hate you. I hate magic. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm ty- entirely that person sometimes. Anyways. All right, That's my second, second pick. Um, so third pick for the night. Uh, Matt, lead us off. All right. We're going deep on green and black tonight, boys. It's uh, so my next pick is Sereth the Viper's Fang. Two generic and two green for a legendary creature. Human Warlock at rare is a 3-4 body. Uh, Other tapped creatures you control have Death Touch. Other Mm -hmm. untapped creatures you control have Hexproof. 
you can pay one generic mana and tap Sarath the Viper's Fang to untap another target creature or land you control. Uh, so in the spirit of misreading cards and not understanding how they work, Chance, I'm going to ask you to clarify this for me if my understanding is correct. If you were to use this on a card that did not have Death Touch natively, but say it was like a pinger, it can do a damage when you tap it. When the trigger from the ping goes on the stack, does it check tap status when it resolves? Yeah, you know, he'll... So, like, um... Mm, Goblin Sharpshooter. Yeah. So, tap, deal one damage to anything. If it yep. kills it, untap it. So, yeah. you will tap him, target, the ability will be on the stack. When the ability goes to resolve, then it's going to care whether it has Death Touch or not. And, hey, you tapped it, so it has Death Touch. So, it has Death Touch. So, that was my understanding. So, the same deal for, like, any of the fight mechanics where you... If you have to tap the creature to, to whatever... Yeah, like, um, if you have, like, set some tactics, because everything tap, fight something, yeah, you'll tap, you'll yeah, gain death yeah. touch, then you'll, the and ability tries to resolve. Okay, that was how I thought that this worked. I'm glad mm -hmm. my hunch was correct. I did not do the necessary legwork to confirm that before uh, recording the episode. Uh, so, Sarath is a really interesting piece. Despite being legendary, I don't think I would want to build her as a solo commander, but Again, I mentioned I have mm. my Bell Bib Demarin deck, which is Death Touch Tribal. And the fact that she gives untapped creatures you control hexproof, that's phenomenal. And then the weird interplay between tapped having Death Touch, untapped having hexproof, and the fact that she lets you manipulate that somewhat. Uh, this is just a, it's a really interesting amalgam of abilities. And I feel like it's been a while since I've cr seen a creature that, like, gets the gears kind of spinning like this. A lot mm -hmm. of what I see that, that catches my interest is relatively straightforward. Uh, and, and she's definitely a little bit more of a, of a chessboard kind of, kind of creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice yeah, to see things that do more than just a little bit, because you do have the opportunity, especially with her untap effect to have something tapped maybe have a removal targeted at another creature, maybe it's your commander because you're playing you know, your Death Touch deck. You have the right. opportunity to use Sarath to untap to then gain Hexproof and fizzle the targeting of the effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll have to take her out first for that to work. Right. She's also just, mm. like, neat. Like, we're getting these Death Touch tribal things. Mm. So, green-black, I don't know if there's, like, a straightforward commander for it yet. But we have Finn the Fangbearer, and now this, and now we have Nylea's bow for that in the commander deck. Like, we just have an increasing amount of ways to make sure you have good Death Touch creatures instead of just playing things because they have Death Touch. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I will say, don't overlook the fact that she can also untap a land. So. Oh, that yeah, that's you, also very relevant. Yeah, because you can do stuff like, you know, have Nykthos in a commander and un redo the Nykthos and if you got your, your Seder Wayfinder <laughs> or whatever it is, you could do it again. Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. The, the untapping, uh, untapping a land can be explosive for ramp as well. I think it's kind of funny that we're probably taking Warlock as a creature type, you know, as the male gendered version of the word witch, but 
to me, it's just kind of funny coming from D&D. Like, oh, it's a green card. Green, nature, cycle of life and death. Green warlock. Uh, <laughs> it's happened yeah. twice, I saw. Just doesn't feel super right to me. Like, I get it. There's but there's a green... Is it a mono green? No, it's a green black warlock as well. I mean, there was, like, Patron of the Fae and stuff in 5e, but it's just... It doesn't feel comfortable initially <laughs> seeing green creature type warlock. Mm. <laughs> yeah, warlock you would think black or maybe even blue. You're a little bit more in the uh, Harry Potter vein of things. <laughs> black red, man. That's where my brain is. I said black, but I didn't, and then I said blue. It's magic. I was definitely thinking like black red warlocks. Black, red, uncomfortable sure. cards definitely make me think warlocks and having a patron. <laughs> you sold your soul for this power. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, because black, red is, is demons and devils as well sometimes. So, At least the crazy ones. The Rakdos ones. Well, but the, but the interesting thing, too, is it seems like maybe they've made a deliberate decision, at least at this time, that we are not getting Witch as a super type. And so it seems like Warlock is is kind of standing in generically for Witch, which would feel more green, you know, especially with the kind of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, oh, come on, shit. The kind of, uh, there's a, there's a horror genre. Come on. Like Mids Midsummer, which obviously we're, you know, a lot of people oh, have yeah. picked up on the vibes. Uh, and I'm completely blanking on what that genre is called. Existential? No, <laughs> no. It's specifically it's specific to horror movies. Yeah. That are kind of about those kind of like pre-Christian kind of Cult. pagan. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cultish, paganish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically, r religious horror to a degree, like other religion horror. Well, but focusing on this kind of pre-civilization. Um, mm hmm. And for the life of me, I'm completely blanking on the on the category, but I've been really a big fan. Like the ironically, the movie called The Witch, the one with two V's, mm. uh, fits that criteria. The Vivitch, yeah, the Vivitch, <laughs> uh, yeah. fits that criteria really well. Sure. Okay. And so I noticed that we don't have witches as a super type; we have warlocks. And so I just kind of mm -hmm. feel like wizards to to kind of also synchronize with the D and D stuff they were doing in the last set. And we'll probably, obviously, they're going to be doing again in the future. That lets them kind of express that that kind of character without mm -hmm. introducing yet another super type. Yeah, sure. it just kind of keeps creature types clean. And I can understand there's some stuff that kind of uses witch and warlock as you know male and female the same kind of thing. Right. So it's nice to kind of keep it generic and choosing warlock because warlock was already really nested in like baseline folk stuff horror. for the D D set. So. Yeah, it's they call that folk horror. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay. Alright. Um so my my next card, uh, I believe this is number three, is uh Sigardus Splendor, uh which is two white white for an enchantment. Um as Sigardus Splendor Splendor uh enters the battlefield, note your life total. 
At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if your life total is greater than or equal to the last noted life total for Sigarda's Splendor. Uh, um, I'm missing a line. Wait, no. Then note your life total? Wait. Yeah, period. Then Draw, note, draw uh, a card. Yeah, I missed the draw a card mentally. I might have said it. but I, <laughs> so, was, so you draw a card. Uh, and then whenever you cast a white spell, you gain one life. Uh, you're probably going to cast white spells if you're in white. Um, so you're probably going to gain life. And life is not an unheard of thing in white. Um, so white has some serious card draw with this card. Bada bing, bada boom. That's why I picked this. Like, I, I think it's notable. Uh, I think it's known that white has issues in this very sector of drawing cards. You're only drawing one card, an extra card per turn, but it's better than nothing. You're not, like, you yeah. know, drawing, you know, cards equal to the life you've gained. Um, but, you know, which, which in white would be sick and busted. But, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that you're in a life gain deck. This is a good, easy addition of getting that card advantage where white traditionally has an issue with that. And it kind of feels like maybe, you know, we've always had Phyrexian Arena, so this feels like maybe standard era magic white answer to that. <laughs> yeah, it's a much clunkier Phyrexian Arena, which, again, for a color that historically card draw is not part of what white does, I think that's fine. I'm a right, little worried, though, I... that, like, the first time someone activates Heartless Hidetsugu, this card does nothing. <laughs> well, it does sure, nothing. Sure, you gain that, five life. It does nothing that turn. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm a little worried. Like, it's nice that you gain the life and white spells, but I feel like this is one of those cards where it's like, this feels fine. This feels oppressive in games that it's good. But games that you need it to save you, it will betray you every time. Because <laughs> it will never draw you a card. <laughs> Well, that's that's not well again always you, true, you, but yeah. Because you because you renote your life total. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait, so what you're saying, Chance, that middle clause if you don't meet the condition and draw the card, are you saying that you don't ever note your life total again unless you draw the card? I was thinking that, but I'm not sure. It's period, see, then note your life total. Well, see, my understanding a, was that you note your life total every turn whether you draw the card or not. So that Yeah, if, right, I'm thinking that because you, of the period. If you gain yep. life, even even if you lose five life, if you gain one life the next turn, then your life total is higher than it was the previous turn and, and should yep. trigger, you know. So all you're looking to do is not net loss every round. That was, yeah. again, that's my understanding. I, I think we're going to have to dig a little deeper and, and verify. Um I, but this is exactly the one thing I don't like about it, is I feel like there would have been a much, like again, I, I've I've said it in previous episodes. They're exploring card draw in white. I am thrilled. I'm happy. I'm glad. I want them to continue doing this. Card draw is too important and fundamental to the game for a single color to not have access to it in right. any meaningful way. So the fact yeah. that they're still exploring that, I'm all for. That being said. I think it's fine to be critical when they give us designs that are not quite up to par. And this constant noting of your life total adds a lot of extra complexity and a lot of extra questions that I think could have been resolved if you gain, 
if you gain three life since your last turn, draw a card. If you gain two life, you know, I can understand you don't want to make it so powerful as like, if you gain a life, draw a card. If you gain one or more life, draw a card. That's maybe a little too much. That's maybe a little too good. Mm-hmm. Um, but this constant checking is going to make this a pain to keep track of. Sure. You'll but, need like I another mean, life counter basically and have it on this to know what you've noted. <laughs> Or just, you know, a little scratch pad or something, you know, something. Or, you know, Cause that's just what make I a note of it. When I play mentally. Magic, is a scratch pad. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's a little complicated I... to do, but you're drawing a card in white. I yeah. mean... You're paying the cost. You're getting a card. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how hard hey, that is. I already said, I'm glad that they. I'm glad that we got it. It's better than nothing. But we still have a duty to be critical and to demand better. Oh, I was mostly being sarcastic. Like I know. <laughs> you just have to appreciate the fact that White got a card draw, yeah. and you're going to be happy with every shit we sling your way as yeah. a result to get that card. But, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I, do, I do like the card for that, um, and it fits right into a common White theme. Of yeah. life, and it also um, fits into the common theme of all the other angels effed off for the most part, and it's been Sagarda's problem for a while. <laughs> well, I think getting fused into an Eldrazi nightmare hardly counts as effing off. <laughs> I mean, true. You're still not doing your job when you're when you've been I, tentacled. <laughs> like, I mean, they got destroyed post tentacle. Hold on, and then hold on. Avacy That's like wrecked. saying. <laughs> That's like saying, oh, well, you're not doing your job because you got killed in the battle. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> no matter how you slice it, it, it's felt a lot like you know, Sagarda was around for Powerpuff Girls originally, and then Sagarda was the only untainted slash unsmote by Soren Angel, and then she shows up again, yeah. and you know we have was Lysa now, but it just to me it always has felt like at this point that. Sagarda is the person in the group project who wants the A because they take pride in their work and does all the work. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Love yeah. Sagarda. But also, it's a little different when everyone else is killed. <laughs> hey, missing school because you're like, throwing up It's not like, still missing school. <laughs> it's not like they had a choice in the matter, dude. <laughs> the group project goes on regardless of will. I'm... Like, I'm sure they would have been happy to help if they had not been slaughtered. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's, he's right. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, fourth card uh, no. for us tonight. No, we oh, buy, you, buy, you buy past chance. You messed up the order, so we need to do my third yeah. card now. Yeah. Well, do your card, then. <laughs> We're going to talk about croaking counterpart. Yeah. (laughs) One and a green. Or one green and blue, so three total. For a sorcery at rare. Create a token that's a copy of target non-frog creature, except it's a 1-1 green frog. And it has flashback for three, a green and a blue. Um, Reminder for flashback, because we've not come across it yet. You may cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost, then exile it. Frog is the sincerest form of flattery. And has this amazing <laughs> picture of a frog person. Like, he's got armor and stuff on, but he looks very dazed, riding what looks like a duck. Yeah. Like, 
Uh, maybe maybe a stork or something. It could yeah. be something like that. Some but some the, bird. The the frog's makeshift armor looks very much like a callback to Champion of the Parish from the original Innistrad. Oh, it's yeah. That, it's that kind of tricorner hat and those kind of plated yep. shoulder guards. Uh, that's what it put me in mind of when I saw it. But this is yeah. This I is I felt it was a card. Yeah. Something that I, I think is amazing because so we had cackling counterpart, which was. As far as Commander goes, like, somewhat of a big deal that came in original Innistrad. It similarly was a three-mana that made a token copy of something, but it had, like, a seven-mana flashback. And it was an instant, but it only could copy your own things. So I think at the downside of sorcery and being able to copy anybody's thing, making it a green frog seems really fine to me. (laughs) Like, there's there's definitely times when I give blue-green a lot of crap because... There's just kinds of cards that are easy to understand how powerful they are that get put in blue-green a lot of the times. So, especially playing a lot of Commander, usually each new set that has a new blue-green Commander, you're going to see somebody with it, and be like, yeah, I know exactly what you're doing, because everyone in the universe knows exactly what you should do with this card. I like when we get these fun, little quirky, maybe I have to say croaky instead of quirky, (laughs) cards, and you do really like that it's croaking instead of cackling counterpart, even playing on the the name of the other card. But yeah, like mm-hmm. I, I love the idea of I have a three mana copy effect. And if nothing else, if someone has ramped ahead of me with a solemn simulacrum, now I can make a frog version. <laughs> that you know it's funny, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I can see a lot of games where this becomes a three mana solemn and that's gonna feel awesome. <laughs> and then you're gonna be like, my one one frog solemn's gonna be really brave. <laughs> I do. I uh, go ahead. Appreciate the like intrinsic design of him that you make the token copy frog and you can't flash it back to copy himself. Right. Right. That's the point I was going to get to. Is I like that there's a safety clause where you can't do a bunch of shenanigans where you copy the frogs a bunch of times. Like, like there's there's it has to be a non frog, which I believe there are some frog creatures as well. Oh yeah, Omnibian. Um, He's a funny yeah. one. So there's there's just some monsters you're just not allowed to copy. And I think it's going to get you every once in a while. You're like, I'm going to... No, wait, that's a frog. Mm. The Gitrog <laughs> monster is going to be the really funny one. Like, you yeah. slam this in your deck, you're just ready to play it, and the first game you play against, you look across and see a Gitrog monster and go, man, I know I'm going to mess this up. I know I'm going to try to target it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Cool art. Fun idea. Love the quote. And it's nice to see that Flashback is kind of in all colors in this set, which is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Okay. Um, so now do you want to do your number four, Matt? Now I will do my number four. So we're <laughs> circling back uh, to board wipes again. Uh, mm-hmm. we're going, but we're going to my favorite all-time, going to black, for the Meat Hook Massacre. For X and two black, you get a legendary enchantment. Uh, when the Meat Hook Massacre enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Whenever a creature an opponent control dies, you gain one life. So, the... 
you know, I made some notes before we sat down to record this, and obviously the the most direct comparison to me is Black Sun Zenith. It's it's the exact same casting cost. Uh, it also mm-hmm. deals in minus X minus X, although obviously Black Suns deals with counters, whereas this is just a, a for the turn that it comes in, you get that extra minus X minus X. I'm a big fan of black board wipes that work on the minus X minus X axis, uh, because to me that's always been something that has kind of separated black board wipes from other colors, because it, it I love that it gets around indestructible, it gets around other... Uh, other sorts of protection, you know, state-based action, nothing with zero toughness can survive regardless of whatever else is going on. And so I've always really appreciated that black gets, gets that in its toolbox. And again, feeling like we've had a real dearth of quality board wipes for the last several sets, seeing this guy and the fact that it sticks around like the fail case on this too black for a legendary enchantment that, that just pings your opponent whenever your stuff dies and gains you life whenever you kill their stuff. Like, this is a, an Aristocrat's deck's dream. Um, mm-hmm. And then the fact that it can just clear the board when it comes down if you've got enough mana, it, it ah, chef's kiss. Wonderful. <laughs> Could you say like it slices and dices? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, like the, I like the idea that because of the minus X, minus X, it still kills gods. It's yeah. like, you can't kill me, I'm a god, I'll just butcher you into meat. <laughs> I'll just eat you. <laughs> it kills everything. Yeah. It is kind of neat, though, how you're not getting that, like, because Massacre Worm, something kind of comes to mind, you know, oh, when creatures opponents controlled die, they kind of take the burn, and that just is a generically good effect, whereas your point mm-hmm. of your creature's dying causes the life loss, it definitely has more of that aristocrat's identity, and... If your board state's good and everyone else's is trash, maybe you just play this for black black and don't need that part of it when it's time to start draining maybe one or two people out of the game. Well, I mean, it's also a good way to, um, you know, if you've got a giant board state and you're like, okay, I just need to, to, to burn someone out. I can't get through their, you know, like you got a bunch of these decrepified zombies, right? You're like, what now? I can't get through. You meet massacre all of your zombies, and they're at least pinging life for one. Right. Right? Yeah. So. I don't know. The flavor of that is really kind of funny. Like, you're sad that I'm tearing apart my bad zombies that were going to fall apart anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's no point even, even, because they can only attack, right? But if... But if you're attacking in, attacking into four fours, there's no reason to lose that zombie, even though it can't block. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're, you're wasted well, it if you're attacking. I think you so play this post combat. Like you just do the attacks, and if they do some silly blocking, then you're like, ah ha! We can only do we can go for two and actually get rid of your big things. I think there's a lot of interplay with this. The ability to you know, kind of count up damage plus shrinking to kill bigger things. Right. You you swing in. You swing in and let them crunch the numbers and decide that if they just eat it, then you're wide open and dead on the crackback, and then drop this in your second main, and then ping them the rest of the way when all your stuff dies and gain some life to bolster yourself if they somehow survive. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I, um... I don't know. I, I think you always play as post-combat main, regardless of the situation anyways. Mm. And again, 
If I have a ton of decayed zombies, you could also just play it for no X, then go to combat. Because the zombies are going to die no matter what. Yeah. So guaranteeing, you know, damage on their creatures slash uh, the life loss is at least one. You know, each zombie is doing one or three at least. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all up in the air because you don't know until you have how many zombies on the field that you couldn't attack through. Like... Most of the time, you're killing them off anyways, right? Like, yeah. Well, you're not going to have a bunch up. And that's what I was saying about the fail case. Like, early game, you're running an aristocrat-style build. You're just trying to get your board established. and You need you need a piece in play that's going to start pinging your opponents when you start churning your creatures. If you cast this for two black, you're still going to feel good about it. You're mm-hmm. not going to be upset. Right. Yep. Alrighty. Me hit Massacre. I had it on my list. I, I relented. It was a really great <laughs> card. Thank you, Chance. <laughs> it, was a real str- up- it was a real struggle not to just pick five black cards. <laughs> I had to really, really it push is. for those two greens. <laughs> it really doesn't help. There's like five black cards with the legendary border on this set, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean... I when I was going through picking stuff, I, I I picked three cards before I even looked at green, so <laughs> yeah, that's it's this has been an odd set for me too. But I mean, spoilers, my next two cards are green. So, <laughs> anyways, um, so uh, Chance, what's next on your list? We have Rim, Carolus, Stalwart Slayer. He has one a red and a white for a legendary creature, Human Knight. He's a rare, he's a 2-3, he has flying in haste. If a spell would deal damage to you or another permanent you control, prevent that damage. If a spell would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus one instead. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate something that makes me want to do something I know is bad. That's like <laughs> functionally not good. And I can really appreciate... <clears throat> You know, a 3-mana Flying Haste 2-3. That just seems like a card they'd print for Boris and put on Legendary because they poop on it all the time. Like, that just seems like a card they'd make. Then it prevents the damage mm-hmm. from spells to everything but it for your team. Like, alright, they're, they're going to new design space. And it's hilarious to me because I, I read the card feeling that, then I read the bottom line of it dealing one more damage to other things from spells. I'm like... Okay, this feels like an apology <laughs> for all the pigeonholing and Boros <laughs> cards that literally needed another line of text to matter ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I take this, it's this wonderful guy in a red, very vibrantly red, and he's writing a hippogriff. Um, there's a lot about it that I think is really neat. But I look at this, and the only thing my heart desires is the most awful and pointless Grape Shot Commander deck ever. Because <laughs> in my mind... How can I get the most out of every spell dealing one more damage? Ah, the spell that deals one damage the most times. (laughs) Every grape shot now dealing two damage. (laughs) Just cut that storm count in half. (laughs) (laughs) The reality is, like, I can definitely see him being more like Chandra's Ignition now is really good because you ignition him, and he doesn't hit himself, but it hits every other creature in each opponent, so you're protecting your own creatures from your own spell. Yeah, and in much the same way, he could be the sacrificial lamb that protects everything from blasphemous act. Like, mm-hmm. 
it feels like the fire song and sunspeaker kind of were, were coloring in this spell a little bit of a new comfort area for red white instead of just another version of please attack now please attack with equipment yeah i mean he's not the one i'm going to build around so i don't want to say super lot but he's definitely a card that my experience of reading the card and really appreciating that it makes me want to do something bad means i like it because i know the thing i want to do is awful (laughs) it's just not good (laughs) it's funny i uh go ahead champ mine's a total tangent I'm not really liking the hippogriff idea. Because it's like a stork deer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just trying to wrap my head around if that would qualify as a hippogriff or not. I think it's a hippogriff. What do you think it is? Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a griff by Innistrad standards. I think Cham is talking more in, like, the classical hippogriff sense. Yeah. I mean... It, there's like some amalgamation of hypocrite and hippogriff there somewhere, but <laughs> hypocrite, hypocrite. It's hard to say. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah, like it's definitely the griff, hippogriff kind of things that they're all in a stride. Yeah. Um, now I showed this card to Marcus because uh, obviously my brother's a big Boros player, and the the one, ironically, the one downside is the fact that it's a knight and not a soldier. Um, not saying it's not appropriate to the character for it to be a knight, but uh, since since my brother's big on soldiers, Boros soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, being a knight's kind of a nombo. But it is definitely in a very interesting Boros card. I think, I think even me reading it, I think I'm underestimating the damage prevention. But I, even just the mini Tor Torbron effect. Is, is really nice, like you said, Joss, just stacking that on on some little nonsense spell that does, like, one damage, and now it's doubling its damage. <laughs> I mean, the the dream would be we have the double damages, we have the triple damage oh, now. Yeah. So you just have to be like, okay, um, ritual, ritual, grape shot. I'm just going to target one at each face. All right, that's yeah. fine. We're, we're resolved. Well, the way we're stacking the damage, each take like 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to go, wait a second, what? Hold up. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. We've kind of had even like Mardu as knights expanded since uh, Throne of Eldraine because that's one of the brawl decks were. I know. You don't have to remind me. I'm still recovering. I really, I really wanted Abzan to be like the official three-color knight wedge or shard or whatever, however you want to slice it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get why Mardu makes sense, but we already had, you know, Knight of the Reliquary. We had some really, really solid knights with green in their identity. But there's also some good ones with red, so, I mean, it makes sense. It's fine. Yeah. He's Black a neat card. has always been the primary. And I could maybe see myself doing like a budget build to just always gamble for grape shot to get the most efficient grape shot I've ever grape shotted. He would be a fun one for a budget build. That's exactly the kind of the absurd effect. And maybe I was it's just thinking like slapping a pariah shield on him if you can make him indestructible, <clears throat> and then just your he doesn't even need the pariah shield. His effect would would negate the damage anyway. But just the idea. 
Hmm. I mean, you could also take effect, take benefit of the effect of storm doesn't count just spells you've cast. Just try oh, to find yeah. the right opportunity to, like, s someone has a serious fight over a couple spells, and you're like, ah, now that the stack is seven deep, it's grape shot. <laughs> 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 you have fallen for my Boros trap card. <laughs> <laughs> You fools. <laughs> Could you be so blind? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I may not build it, but it's definitely cards that make me think about doing something that I know will be fun, but not necessarily powerful. I, I, I really like. Yeah. Hmm. I'm still trying to figure out this hippogriff thing. I'm <laughs> Just let it go. Uh, I guess it works, because really... It only matters that it's a fusion of a running animal or a flying animal. So, there you go. It's, it's a weird storker griff. You can put flowers and, in the hair and call it a hippie griff. Ooh. Ooh. That's the wrong way to go with that. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, li I like the card, honestly. You know, when you talk about the mechanics of it. Um... It's not, uh, it's, it's decent body by itself, but I do like the whole spell damage. Obviously, I picked the dragon with spell damage as well, which fits in this theme. Um, not spell damage, but, you know, interacting with spells. Um, so yeah, I, it's a fun, it's a fun card. It's rather, rather large, too. Look at the artwork. That thing is huge. Yeah, it kind of looks like he's standing, up. almost, too. Yeah, he's yeah. he's standing in the in the center of its back, and that's that's huge for a horse. Anyways, um, so my uh, my fourth card, it uh, like I said, it's a green card, uh, Willow Geist, uh, just a single forest for a one one tree folk spirit uh, with trample. Uh, whenever one or more cards leaves your graveyard, put a one one counter on Willow Geist. And then when 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 Willow Geist dies, you gain life equal to its power. Um, and then die beneath a tree, wake up part of it. I like that quote quite a bit. Um, but the Willow Geist, I like to think of this as the anti-scavenging ooze. Oh, you're going to be scavenging my graveyard? This guy's getting bigger for it. Or you can scavenge your own graveyard and make it bigger. Um, I like that it has some sort of like some sort of crackback for someone messing with your graveyard if this thing's in play. Um, and that idea alone just sort of what drew me to this card. Um, because I remember, like I said, when I came in uh, in Innistrad, the cards that I didn't have and I only had um, access to, you know, initially when I started playing, uh, Return of Ravnica and scavenging you is being like, okay, this is out of your graveyard, this is out of your graveyard, when I'm a Golgari deck, and I'm like, well, well, that's not cool. Like, <laughs> I was going to use that. Um, so, I like Willow Geist, uh, especially thinking back of my early days of getting heavier into magic. Um, Willow Geist is a nice counter to some of those things. It's not the best, obviously. Um, because if they take out your whole graveyard, woo, it becomes a 2-2. Because, um, you know, it's it's counting instances, not how many cards. Um, but I do like this as, as a sort of little side thing, or even in your own graveyard pillaging deck. Um, 
even even though I probably wouldn't put it in Gyrus, it would work. It would it would pop off in Gyrus every time Gyrus interacted with a card. It it would um, because it's individual instances of cards being removed. So it would get bigger, but it wouldn't be I don't know important enough to put in the deck over something else. I would think not 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 without some extra support. I would I'd imagine. But anyways, I like the idea because they're, you know, when people are messing with your graveyard, there's not a lot of counterplay to that. I usually, other than just stopping them. And this thing is like, okay, sure, mess with my graveyard. Oh yeah, and if you remove it, I gain life. It is interesting seeing a spirit outside of the spirit colors. Mm -hmm. We're kind of getting a little more of that in this set. You know, we have some black werewolves and... Spirits are really like blue, white centric in Innistrad. Yeah. It's a nature spirit. Yeah. Of course. Willow Geist, uh, it makes sense for a spirit, like Will of the Wisp kind of stuff too. Which is, you know, normally Will of the Wisp is considered like fae, like fairy spirit kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I could see that too. But I, I like this. And it's in that tradition of, like, Experiment 1, and they've given us some other, like, one-drops that have some means of becoming threats <coughs> on their own. And I always really enjoy those. They're they're not always super viable, uh, but, but I always appreciate the idea of, like, it's this lowly little 1-1 one -one with Trample, and then it just slowly gets bigger and bigger, and before you know it, you're staring down a 6-6 six -six or a 7-7. Seven -seven. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the really fun one would be in, like, a Golgari deck, to bajuka bog yourself <laughs> when you after you've like, <laughs> after you've churned like half of your deck and all of a sudden they're staring down like a 50 50 on the field and it's like <laughs> right can you remove it no okay <laughs> it doesn't work that way but oh yeah One oh well, it's, yeah because yep. it's instances yep, right, of removal right. yeah I mean, the thing I kind of don't like about this is like my play experience with Commander is green decks that might use this. <laughs> Thanks. With, Thanks for coining that. Like yeah. Azusa, Crucible <laughs> Worlds, Strip Mine, and Wasteland. So now, Strip Mine, Wastelanding, locking the board out of the game, you have a creature that grows because you're doing that. <laughs> I don't. Uh, mm. Like, yeah. that's where my, uh. my body and soul went, and I'm like, ooh. I'm sure that's not what they were thinking, but that's my <laughs> might be my experience with this card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's ways to abuse it and do it to yourself or someone else where, you you know, like, taking things out of your graveyard. But the, the, the point of the matter is it's, it's interacting with the graveyard in a different way than not a lot of the cards do, mm -hmm. right? I don't think I have personally ever seen something that says, hey... If you remove something out of the graveyard, do something positive mm -hmm. for me specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, like yes, scavenging you is exactly that does that, but it mostly is used against other people to sort of like graveyard hate. But this one's kind of like a defensive one because it's only yours, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So like, you know, if people are messing with your graveyard, or if you even have a great your graveyard deck. Heck, even just returning a card from your graveyard causes this to get a 1-1 counter. Like, anything. Anything that takes a card out. And as long as you're doing it in single instances, it's fine. But yeah, getting rid of it. Like, if someone locks out your whole graveyard and this becomes a 2-2, two -two, well, that wasn't really worth it. But I mean, a 2-2 two -two for 1, I guess. Right? I mean, it's still value. Just not what you wanted. 
Um, and innately having trample for if it does get big is, is kind of relevant. You don't have to, this thing kind of, you know, it doesn't have to have a lot of support once it starts getting whatever engine you have for it going. Um, you can't build around it specifically in a deck, but you can put it as a good card in a deck that does deal with graveyards. Right. So, that's that's what caught my eye about it, at least. And I like the tree beard, the ghost tree beard. Oh, definitely. Um, so, uh, that would put us at our... Uh, fifth card of the night, not our uh, our, our final non-commander build-around card. Uh, so what do you have for us on that one, Matt? Alright, for my final number one, we have Lord of the Forsaken. Four generic, two black, for a demon at Mythic Rare. It is a 6-6 six, six flying trample. Uh, you could, It has two activated abilities, both very relevant. You could, First one, you can pay black, and sack another creature. Target player mills three cards. Uh, second activated ability, you can pay one life to add colorless mana to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast a spell from your graveyard. So, woof. Uh, this guy is a lot. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've already checked out some takes from some other content creators. Uh, talking about some of the combo potential, which is not really, you know, my point of interest just because I'm not particularly enamored of combo play patterns. Uh, but just obviously a big, splashy, mono-black mythic that cares about the graveyard. It's a demon that also fuels reanimator strategies. It helps you put stuff into your graveyard that you can then reanimate later uh, and then gives you a way to pay life as a resource to cast stuff out of your graveyard. So, I mean, there there's any number of activated abilities like Flashback or Undying. Or not Undying. Uh, what's the... Oh, shoot. What's the... Unearth. Is it Undying? Unearth. Unearth, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you combine this with, like, a Yawgmoth's Will, and whew, then you're really in business. And uh, love the art on it. Really <laughs> good artwork. I like the chains. It's got the good demony vibe. And... Uh, mm. As a, as a segue into my my main gripe about the set coming later, this should have been Ormondal. The This should not be just a, a faceless, this should be a legendary demon. This is some of the most interesting text we've gotten on a demon in a long time, and the fact that it's not legendary to me is probably the only thing that kind of hurts it in my eyes. Now, from a constructive <laughs> standpoint, it probably makes it better, but as a commander mm-hmm. player, I, I really think there's enough going on here. This would have been a really interesting legendary demon. He'd have been painful to see across from you, though. <laughs> like, like you said, like I didn't even think about it until you just said it. But he honestly offers you the play pattern of literally just, uh, I'm gonna mill myself a lot. Uh, we're gonna Yogmoth's will. And now we're gonna cast everything. <laughs> some awful X spell. Tor- you know, Sanguinate and some of those other kind of spells have at least the hey, only spend black mana. But yeah. Torrent of Hailfire does not have that treachery. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Pay down to two life. Watch the game end. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I do True. appreciate that's another card. Like you can talk about flashback. Like I, I definitely think of things like this and like red black. And we have overload. Uh, not Mystic's mastery, but you have past in flames. Oh yeah. So I can definitely see 
you know, you're not a big fan of combo stuff, but this is a great working piece in like some pass and flames kind of storm stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the pay one life to add a colorless I feel like is so strong, even with the graveyard casting restriction, that it really overshadows that first ability of like helping churn through your library to get targets into your graveyard for for shenanigans later. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, paying life for mana, that's. That's on point for black, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, question for you, Matt, on this one. If this card functionally had been on Orcus in the previous set, would you have liked him? Uh, I mean, it would have in some ways been closer to my vision just because, uh, to me, I still feel like Orcus should have been a mono-black demon. I don't like the fact that they made him black-red. Um, mm-hmm. This... Orcus is the is the demon prince of undeath, so the fact that they gave him some sort of reanimator clause is correct, and this doesn't quite have that. Now, obviously, it cares about the graveyard and gives mm-hmm. you a lot of tools, but it doesn't specifically deal with bringing creatures back from the grave on the card. It, it certainly has mm-hmm. that capability through, through the, the combination of the two activateds, but... So I still don't think this would have been quite on flavor for Orcus, um, but I still feel like this is this is powerful enough. So I'll give you my short tirade, um, kind of as a primer for for the gripe to come. Uh, I feel like they set the bar so damn high with Grizzlebrand in the original Innistrad block that they've never mm-hmm. lived it down, and that they have always deliberately kind of held demons back since Grizzlebrand. Um, because of what they unleashed on the magic community with, with, uh, big G and, Mm -hmm. and so this, I mean, this is probably the most excited I've been for a new demon, honestly, since Villas. Villas was the last time in M20 where I felt like we got a, a big splashy legendary demon who felt good. And I mean... And Villas didn't even get Trample. He was an 8-8 that, that just had Flying. But just the fact that you draw cards equal to the life... Anytime you lose life, you draw that many cards. Like, that's incredible. And it feels like they've always been trying to hunt, like, a fixed Grizzlebrand. And this obviously mm-hmm. isn't working on that same axis as what Grizzlebrand did with the paying life to draw cards. But it's still, it still feels like a more fitting homage to that tradition of like a really powerful splashy black demon uh that i just don't feel like we've gotten much in a long time mm-hmm. gotcha hmm okay hmm. well it's uh at least this one isn't terrible right i mean you got a good one. You got. Oh yeah, I'm very, got... like I said, I'm very excited, very mm-hmm. very thrilled for this guy. Flying trample demons. That's that's what I remember <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh, like the demon at Death's Gate was the first mythic I ever pulled. So. Oh yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, okay. Lord of the Forsaken. 
I it made me think of Orcus a lot because of the paying things from graveyard. But you're right, it's not resurrecting anything. But I was also thinking about things that allow you to cast them from the graveyard too, mm -hmm. especially with things like the disturb cost we have with something like Malevolent Hermit or something like that. Right. Um, where you are able to essentially play a creature from the graveyard, you know, through their own mechanics, essentially because of this. Yeah, that. I mean, now if this had had, like, if we're if we're playing out that hypothetical, if this had been Orcus, if it had had a text line that said "creature cards in your graveyard have flashback," and then you can pay one life to add colorless, like, then you would have been feeling much closer to what Orcus mm -hmm. is. Although I would contend that he would probably need lifelink because Orcus is also very gluttonous. So, yeah. so, so, and that would also then kind of deepen that homage to Grizzlebrand, having a means of, like, you have a mechanism to, to expend your life as a resource, but then also he helps you recoup some of that cost. Mm hmm. Getcha. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Um, Chance, your uh, fifth card. We have Curse of Shaken Faith. It is one in a red for an enchantment. Or a curse, it's a rare enchant player. When an enchanted player casts a spell other than the first spell they cast each turn or copies a spell, Curse of Shaken Faith deals two damage to them. We have some flavor text. Even within the chapel's hollowed halls, the devil's laughter pierced his prayers. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I don't think this card is particularly awesome, but I like curses. <coughs> And well, it helps with the whole double casting, non-casting thing for the day and night cycle. Some of the things I dislike that are kind of like commander combos that happen now is, oh, look, I cast a copy spell looking at a copy spell. And you have infinite copies. And now you just right. die. Because that's really dumb. And I hate that there's like two commanders that that's what they do. And specifically, yeah. we know somebody who plays a deck that does that often. So I really mm -hmm. like being able to cast this two-drop. Being able to put it on them, look at them and smile and say, you're going to have to waste a turn and interact with this, or you just can't function the way you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a, a necessary silver bullet against the uh, overpowered Rim Careless Grape Shot deck. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> <laughs> do storm is an ability that copies spells like yeah yep. that would yep. be a little unfortunate mutually assured destruction <laughs> yeah oh, yeah and you, you see you, this you, will make it so everybody dies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like the quote on this quite a bit it, it does tell a story of like being haunted by demons and stuff, you you know, regardless. The art of, shows it pretty well too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the art's really neat. Mm -hmm. I like the kind of the oh gosh, the kind of fresco uh, bas relief. A mm -hmm. lot of candles. Yeah. And neat little card. I mean, I'm gonna talk about. Something that cares about curses is my build around, so it helps to see another curse. Yeah. And there's some precedent. Like I have a Esper, like Zer the Enchanter, my Zer the Enchanter deck as a curses deck. Yeah. Uh, there's some precedent for some of them that cost very little being 
really sketchy. <laughs> so, as power level as a two mana curse, yeah, this is fine. Like, I'm way okay with it. Right. Agreed. You've been talking about curses a lot, too. You've been spitballing this curse idea for days. So, I knew this was going to come up. You were going to pick some of these curses. I knew. Or at least one. I'm actually honestly surprised you didn't pick the blue one. That one seems pretty good, too. Mm. It's generically powerful, but this one's spiteful. Because there's a friend who plays a deck that this will just kill. And that's the kind <laughs> yes. of thing I like from curses. Because like when yeah. I play the Zerg Curses deck... You know, you have the the biggest one you have. I'm losing going to potentially a Grixis deck is Overlimbing Splendor, and oh, man. there's some decks that are like your creatures have no abilities and they're just one ones. You can't activate Planeswalkers. Continue to play the game. <laughs> I've done this to a mono red deck that had to go. I didn't die, but I have died <laughs> <laughs> because I also play. I cannot live. <laughs> There's another curse that's like all your creatures get minus one, minus one. <laughs> I yeah. forget the name of that, but it's a, it's a black one that's a rare. It's like a five drop. So it's not going to have that explosiveness of having that and then having the blue copies so every opponent has an overwhelming splendor, but it's going to have a little, like, the bloodletting so they take double damage, this so they're taking damage. It's probably going to similarly, like, want to stack all the curses on one person. And the other two people at the table just have to agree that, like, yeah, they're probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's neat. I agree. It is neat. I am sorry. I had to step away for a second. Uh, there was a freaking giant-ass spider just crawling down my wall. Oh, nice. So, had to take care of that. Um, <clears throat> that's why I sounded far away. <laughs> um, so my uh, my fifth card of the night is uh, is an enchantment uh, called Unnatural Growth. One and green, 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 green. So that's four forests and one. Um, for an enchantment, at the beginning of each combat, so yours and theirs, Double the power and toughness of each creature you control until end of turn. It's Xenagos on both sides. Um, except Xenagos only does the power. Uh, if you're playing a toughness engine, it works for a toughness engine now, too. Um, with the cycles of day and night un, uh, unspooled, the twist, twisted sway of the moon only grew and grew. I kind of like that. It's sort of like a like a dark fairy tale sort of line. Yeah. Um, like an introduction, introduction, introduction to um, just sort of this like, oh god! And I love the art for it too. This this werewolf that is just absolutely massive going through this town. Um, yeah, at least two stories. <laughs> with a, with yeah, a total, I'm thinking. With a, with a it total looks like three. Yeah, with a total shit-eating grin, too. Like, he knows. He's like, oh, yeah. Wielding a tree as a club. (laughs) I think there's someone in his mouth, too. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Unnatural... I was a big fan of Xenagos. I had a big Xenagos deck for a long time. And having Unnatural Growth is just, like, Xenagos on a stick. Well, not on a stick. 
and like a radar that sits on your side and works on both ends, both on attack and defense. Because it's each combat. Um, sure, it can be removed where Xenagos has this, you know, imp- like protection from destruction, but enchantment re- removal is a lot harder than creature removal uh, in general, especially in Commander. Um, Commander doesn't seem to like a ton of enchantment removal. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's not as common, at least in the in the circles that I have played and experienced. Um, that people will have like one or two ways to deal with it, but you got a good solid three turns of doubling your creatures, um, both on attack and defense. Um, and I really enjoy. I mean, like I said, I built a whole deck around Zenigus doing this, so doing this for free without having to have him as your commander is pretty good. Now, granted, it's not as consistent because you got to draw into this card, but still love it. Um, still great to to have these gigantic creatures. And you can do some shenanigans if you have this in the Zenigos deck, too. Also, um, part of the reason why um, I think... I don't remember if I put him in or not. But I put Xenagos in the Gyrus deck at one point. I don't know if he's still in there. For the simple fact of Gyrus checks his power at the time of attacking. So you can just have Gyrus in as like a 2-2. But you're able to grab, you know, 3, three power and below, below if you double his power. You know, it doesn't matter the counters on him. It's just how big he is at the time. So... This is this is probably a card I will use in Gyrus if if I uh, get a hold of one. I think the most important phrase on this card is each combat. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Yeah, no, no, it's no, yours it and theirs. My combat, my extra combat, my other extra combat. <laughs> oh well, no! Yeah, Xenagos does the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, <clears throat> you get extra combats. Yeah, your I your have, your doublings. I have built a Wolfgar deck from you know the afr commander decks and you have i you have i'm definitely putting this in i'm not sure what it's taking over the place of but zariel making little devils giving me the extra combat you can untap one person it already has combat celebrant and lightning rager like i already have a little bit of a extra combat engine inside of that and this to me was just like oh this is my green kind of version of my triple damage enchantment, the fire emancipation, but I already do extra combats sometimes. So looking at this, yep. looking at my potential of, okay, I have my four, four commander with melee. Let's say I'm attacking two people. So I go to combat. He doubles to an eight, eight. I attack two people. Melee triggers twice. Cause it's Wolfgar. He goes to 12. I go to combat again. Now he's already 12. Now he's already 24. Mm-hmm. And now every block is desperate. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's... I like it. I also like your, your point of doubling toughness also. So we do have yeah. maybe adding to the very small group of things that would be like Doran the Siege Tower. Like actual yeah. dangerous enchantments. And there are some toughness yeah. matters things too. Like just, I mean, there was a whole Godzilla, you know, theme of, of toughness matters. In that set, Ikora. And of course, there's the. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an unknown deck. The the treant I swing with my butt instead of my. Yeah, that's Doran. Um, that's Doran the Siege Tower. Yeah. Yeah. There's also Arcade Sabbath. 
the arcade, yeah. the strategist, you know, another, your defenders can smack for equal to butt. Mm-hmm. So it's nice just to see a very, very green, very green, lots of green pips card yeah. that does what it does very well. And I kind of like it triggers when it does because the kind of deck that this could be really dangerous in for me otherwise it's like I have Savala Heart of the Wild put together as like a competitive commander deck and the timing of when this triggers is just nonsense like it doesn't matter because you're going to either want to do awful things to people then go to combat and kill them or you're going to play something that probably sacrifices before you move steps so I like that a potential disastrous enabler for that deck just times it so it probably means nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So another one of my pet decks is my mono green Esau Enlightened Bushi deck. And poor Esau needs all the help he can get. Uh, but <laughs> mm-hmm. this this is a an enchantment that really kind of stretches the mileage on your pump spells and other mm-hmm. effects because... You know, ordinarily, it makes sense to wait until combat to load those up. But with this, I mean, gosh, you know, Giant's Growth becomes a plus, you know, becomes a one mana plus six plus six. That's absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, like, there's well, just any number of cheap effects like that 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 this gives a lot of extra gas to. Well, it's not a plus six plus six because you're adding that before the double. So you're you're it turning is a plus the three plus group. three. He already translated. Yeah, if you're doubling three, that's six. If you're putting out a one-one, it makes it a four. You're getting eight instead of six. Right, but you're still getting the equivalent of plus six, plus six, in addition to doubling its base power. Sure, I guess you're adding the multiplication, but but we're still, doing yeah, we're doing the it's, math it's relevant. Orders. The one-one yeah. would have become a two-two without the spell anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. It still matters. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's. It's an insane card. Because that's what Xenagos was. It was insane. It only does it to one creature, too. This does it to... The board. Your board. Each creature you control. (laughs) And it really helps there are just some other random creatures that are like, do this based on my power. Or if I have this much power, something happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what what Gyrus exactly does. Like, this this is a great case for going in Gyrus because of that. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> it means Gyrus can come in for cheaper. I don't have to, you know, swing out mana wise for, for him, because he can just rely on the pump to to get him high enough to to get some of the higher end cards in the in the graveyard, like the seven sevens and eight eights that sometimes I need to get. Okay. Uh, natural growth. So we'll move on to our final cards, the cards that we would potentially build around for a commander deck. So lead us off, Matt. All right. Uh, keeping strong with the tradition, uh, my build around commander would have to be Gisa, Glorious Resurrector, two generic and two black for a legendary creature, human wizard at rare. Gisa this time around is a 4-4. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. At the beginning of your upkeep, put all creature cards exiled with Gisa, Glorious Resurrector, onto the battlefield under your control. They gain Decayed, 
A creature with decayed can't block. When it attacks, sack it at the end of combat. Uh, so I've been a big fan of Gisa since her original printing in Commander 2014. Uh, her Obviously, that version was where you could pay a black and tap her to sack a creature and then create 2-2 two, two zombies equal to the power of the creature you sacked. So she could actually net you zombies. You could sacrifice a zombie token and get two 2-2s two, you know, in exchange. Uh, mm-hmm. She wields a shovel, and she's always been characterized as being this kind of insane ghoul caller, uh, obviously sister to Giralf the Stitcher, uh, and he's always portrayed as kind of the more somber one, traditionally aligned with blue. Gisa is this kind of madcap, you know, black character, and her her art in this is just fantastic. She's on this, you know, kind of like, not quite a throne, but this, this kind of lounging chair surrounded by her zombie army with her shovel, just laughing her ass off, having a good time. Uh, and a butcher cleaver in the other hand. Yeah, yeah. So very, very on brand for the character. Uh, love it. Uh, mechanically, we've seen some other cards like this in the past. The the one that kind of shouted out to me was the uh, the zombie from Kaldheim that let you let you exile stuff and then reanimate it based on what it had exiled. So she's she's reanimating on a different axis. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm always a fan of, like, so at, ironically at this same cost we had Kalidas, Traitor of Get, and uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, that, you know, any kind of creature that does this deal, Anaphens of the Foremost, that exiles creatures your opponents control when they die, so shutting down other people's graveyard shenanigans always feels really good, and the fact that it doesn't interfere with yours, even better. Um, mm-hmm. And then getting them all back is just ah it's so good so so good uh i guess if i have to complain like it gives them decayed which is on brand for the set it doesn't make them black zombies in addition to their other types uh Mm. which feels like a miss to me because that would that would give you your extra pump from all your various zombie lords like if you were going to build a mono black gisa deck it would probably be a, a you know a mono black zombies deck and the fact that it, the creatures that she brings back aren't zombies feels wrong. Uh, yeah. I do think it's an interesting interaction because if I understand this correct, so you bring them back, they'll have decayed. Once you attack with them and then sacrifice them at the end of combat, they'll just go back to their owner's graveyards. So it's not a permanent yeah. removal. So there could be some argument that the line of play should just be to to try to kill as much stuff as possible, get as much stuff exiled as with her as you can, and then never actually activate her because then they'll never, your opponents will never get their stuff back. I have a right. more entertaining plan for them never getting their stuff back. Yeah, it's called activating Homeward Path <laughs> because mm-hmm. you have all the decayed stuff. You go to attack. You still have a moment before they're sacrificed after they've dealt combat damage to give them back. So then they sacrifice them and exile them, and you'll get them back with decayed again. Ooh, nice. That's a good one. <clears throat> Seeing it again, I'm a little lament that it's beginning of your upkeep, you get things with decayed. Yeah. So I definitely, for me, would want some haste, even if it's just boots and stuff, because right. it dies. Maybe it's like not that bad of a window if you're like instant speed killing stuff on other people's turns, or combat's messy between other players, and then your turn starts and you take the things. Mm-hmm. But... <clears throat> 
I was really trying to figure out what things I can do with this, and I figured out, you know what's really funny? Creatures with Defender already that now have Decayed, because they just naturally are pacified. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. it brings to the only example. If there were, like, five cards that did this, I'd build this deck. There's only one. It's a Crone Horse. It's four generic for an 0-4 artifact creature. When it comes into play, it comes into play under an opponent's control. And yeah. it has Defender. And each other player starts to make soldiers. So, all you have to do is whack it the first time. It goes to re-enter. Again, it tries to go into your board and says, no, I'm going to go to somebody else. But now it has Defendered and Decayed. And if it's a deck that can't sacrifice stuff or doesn't play a lot of, like, interactive removal, you potentially just say, all right, the three of us will have tokens for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I I think I like her as a cog in some, like, nonsensical bar you things at the exact right moments kind of deck, but you need more than just black. Like, yeah. maybe black-red or maybe even just everything but white because of Yasova Dragon Claw. Mm. You know, there's there's just wanting to be able to give away things, wanting them to die under their control so you can get it back. I think she is safe in the right ways that also makes it I feel like my my give up on her was pretty much there's like seven cards I would put in because she's the commander, including the Acrone Horse and the Homeward Path. But then after that, it's just a black deck, and I'm just playing good black cards, and... Right. Eh, I don't really need to do that. Right. Like, I have a decent black deck already. I don't need to just have 80 of the same cards between two sure. different decks. Like, I'm just not into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think because her effect is self-contained, like, you really just need her to make her do what she wants to do, that you could then build more of like a mono black control shell and just focus on killing everything that your opponents play and <laughs> protecting her and then just constantly recycling them for value. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. Guruk's Wake becomes pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like to see Insurrection in black with more steps? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um... Yeah, I, I I like it. I have a similar card. It has some similar wordings for mine, so we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, I, it's uh, it's definitely a good one. And yeah, Chance and I talked about that a little bit um, before the show. Uh, I think it was today, right? We talked a little bit about Gisa. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it's a good one. There's there's some spicy commanders in this set, so I'm glad we all found something. Um, so Chance, what's your uh, what's your build around? Even though I already know it, but let's 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 let the audience. So <laughs> I think we have some of the commander cards as of right now, but maybe not all of them for the two bound commander decks. And I was definitely mm-hmm. under the impression we were going to get green white humans and blue black zombies, but apparently instead we're actually getting Grixis curses. And I've already said I love mm-hmm. curses, so we have. I'm thinking it's. It's either Lind or Linde. I'm not sure. L-Y-N-D-E. Cheerful Tormentor. Okay. She's one, a blue, a black, and a red for a legendary creature, human, warlock, mythic, because whatever. Commander decks, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. A 2-4 with Death Touch. 
Whenever a curse is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return it to the battlefield attached to you at the beginning of your next end step. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may attach a curse attached to you to one of your opponents. If you do, draw a card. It's a very interesting... Draw two cards. Oh yeah, draw two cards. There we go. Mess that up. Uh, yeah, it's like this very weird... The curses will be here. They'll be here forever. And as like I feel it's going to be very different from the Zerg curses, where it's like, stack a ton up, because you don't want to stack a ton up on somebody, someone to destroy all enchantments, and all of a sudden they're all back on you, and you're only allowed to give one away. Like, yeah, there's a... I don't know, it's it's very interesting, the ability to suffer a little bit of the curse, because most curses trigger on an upkeep. Mm-hmm. So you'll get... You know, maybe the, oh, I've got the the mill curse triggers on me once. I'll mill three, then I'll draw my two because I'm giving it away. And it is a good thing to note that in her artwork, she's playing with what looks like a uh, voodoo doll. And it looks exactly yeah. like the guy who was tortured in all the curses in the Commander 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that poor guy. So... Yeah, I mean, this is this is enough. Like, there's there's always been red curses that are kind of fun. Maybe this is the deck. I accept my death in one way every game. I will curse of bloodletting on somebody. Someone else will kill them. Then bloodletting will reattach to me because it went to the graveyard because the players attached to you died. And <laughs> then be like, okay, you've got a turn to try to murder me. <laughs> right. It's interesting, I just like this, and even if it's, you put a little curse on something, like, maybe this deck just plays the little curses that are just kind of annoying, because of the wishy-washy around and then card draw effect. I do think it's funny right. that we don't really have the enchantment destruction. Like, black has a little bit of it now. But we just well, don't have... Some. No. Yeah. Red only really gets yeah, that when it's bound with green. The closest you'd get would be blue, just bouncing stuff back to your hand. I don't remember what it is, but I remember one being in red. There's red and green stuff that does that a lot. But mono red and red between these other two colors, I don't, I can't think of anything that interacts with enchantments. I don't know. I I remember something. Maybe, you know, thinking about this, maybe this, I need my ability to sacrifice permanence. Because I control the curse when it's attached to somebody else. So if mm-hmm. I can sacrifice that, then I'll get it reattached to me and I can try to pass it on again to draw some cards. Yeah. Well, also, if you manage to eliminate a player in a multiplayer commander game, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Those curses just go to the graveyard. And so, then they go to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's recycling the curses that you you won with, so you get to use them again. There's some so. suffering in between. <laughs> I, knowing how I play the Zerdeck, knowing that I stack these horrible curses onto somebody, and because you have the mill one, and you have Frank Sanity also, and then there's mm-hmm. Estrid's Invocation and Copy Enchantment, so you mill, Frank Sanity, Frank Sanity, Frank Sanity. You mill someone out in two or three turns. 
But I don't want to go to the to the step of, okay, so I have the mill one and Frank's sanity on me. So the first thing we do is pass on the mill one. Because Frank's sanity doesn't do really anything if I don't have Frank's sanity on myself. <clears throat> but you know, there's just maybe a motivation to play a lot of smaller ones and not necessarily effects that are always just awful. Yeah. I I mean, I can tell you, I personally like the fact that, so like compared to Xur, which Xur has a justifiably earned reputation for being very powerful, and the, the fact that he can tutor stuff, I feel like a Xur deck probably leads to similar lines of play, where you're probably tutoring some of the same curses over and over. Whereas this one doesn't do that. This one is more purely about kind of like you. And I think you're on the right track. I think maybe smaller, more like uh, obnoxious curses, you know, the kind of nuisance curses. Yeah, like uh, the, the scarab curse. Like you pay the three life, the once or twice, it'll trigger yeah, on your turn. It's more about enjoying curses for curses' sake as opposed to like here are these really crippling ones that are just going to knock you on your ass. I mean, there's also a big thing with the Xur deck, too, that, like, Xur is a real thing that scares people. And yes, I feel like yeah. this won't have that same vibe. <laughs> no, I think this communicates better, like, hey, I'm just here to kind of mess with people, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really nice when you start in the Xur deck and you, like, mount, or, uh, swamp, okay, curse of vengeance on you. <laughs> but this card is bad. Yeah, but it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You die. Uh, they've been they've been doing this pretty regularly where we get these commanders who are kind of like tailored to a specific archetype and it usually tends to be archetypes that are kind of underrepresented so I'm glad to see her um, I think I'll she'll be fun the, yeah I'll say that the curse deck has never been something that's strongly appealed to me personally but I, I've played against curse decks and and I mean I, I get why why the people who like to pilot that deck enjoy piloting it and I think she'll be a really great commander for those people. And sometimes it's cursed decks are really good for just the sense of sometimes you play in a game, especially if it's like some pseudo-random grouping. They're like, there's two people here that are about to have fun, and we're going to have fun. And there's one person here who wants to crush all happiness under the sun. Yeah. We're going to curse them into oblivion, and then we will play the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely helpful. If she's not the face commander, maybe she'll be the effective alternate, the kind of thing they're doing now, where there's one main option, another side option, and then a bonus legendary that doesn't fit the identity. So the yeah. blue-black guy kind of fits that role of not fitting the identity. Right. Mm. Um, yeah, they're definitely going to get that sealed deck, crack it open about two weeks from now, and see what curses I need. Okay. Yep. Uh, it should be an annoying deck to play against, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for my, my uh, build-around card, uh, I'm doing Lyasa Forgotten Angel, especially since, you know, we forgot she was there helping out uh, Sigarda. But anyways. <laughs> no, there's a lot two, more mumbo-jumbo than that. Two white-white and black. I'm just saying the name fits that. Um, for a 4-5 legendary creature angel with flying and lifelink. 
Uh, whenever a, another non-token creature you control dies, return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, and then also, if a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. So that last line is what was shared with Matt's uh, um, commander as well. Um, but um, what I like about this card is the fact that like, if you have something of yours die, it goes to your hand instead. And I immediately had flashbacks to our friend Pete playing Chainer. And you... <laughs> You imagine if you play Chainer and you just drop it and like, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice Chainer. So everyone sacrifices a creature. Okay, Chainer goes back to my hand. <laughs> At the end of the turn. Next turn, I do it again. And then you can continue normal shenanigans. Like, you can just do some kind of crazy stuff. Oh, you're, you're talking like Flashback Marauder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Um. Yeah, so Fleshbag. You're Fleshbag someone away and um, then... You you get the flashback back and so not have to dig through your graveyard. So like it's like an alternative like where you're you're like, okay, I'm gonna sacrifice things and then they're gonna go back to my hand and then they don't get that benefit as well. They they actually get the opposite where everything gets exiled. So I like that. Uh I like that for this card. I like that it's just a four like it's okay as a 5-drop for a 4-5 Flying Lifelink. Um, that's pretty decent in and of itself. Um, but I just like the idea of using using things to the effect of, okay, so what can I do that basically has a cost of it dying or killing something, and I just get to do it again, like every turn. And then that's what I would do is I'd have a bunch of creatures that would die, and then i just get to do them again. That's it. That's all we do. I'm not sure it's great or not, but I like the idea of it. I saw this and I immediately thought of Fleshbag. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty um, good. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously we saw Lisa once, or Lisa, I don't know, however you want to pronounce it. Lisa. Yeah, I would guess I, Lisa, but I'm not I, sure. I took, a, I took a guess of Lysa because of the IE, but whatever. Yeah, so... We saw Lysa back in Commander Legends, uh, the the final the final sister revealed, um, and I haven't I haven't caught up on all the lore stuff. I mean, allegedly Avison killed her and wiped out her entire flight, you know, years ago. Um, so I'm not savvy as to how exactly she's back, uh, but I'm glad she's back because obviously the having the black white angel obviously appeals to me, and the mm -hmm. the most direct comparison for me, was Aetherios got a passage. And so she is a non-conditional Aetherios for two more mana. Uh, now, obviously, you give up the indestructible aspect, but then she's a creature all the time versus Aetherios being a creature only when your devotion is at seven or higher. Um, but specifically, that clause about returning a creature that dies to your hand, you know, Aetherios gives your opponent the ability to pay three life to send it to your yard. Or if they won't pay the three life, you just get it back to your hand and can recast it. And so kind of like what you were saying, Cham, just recurring lots of little cheap creatures for mm. repeated value. Fleshbag Marauder is a really good candidate. Um, there's a lot of other like one and two drop black and white creatures that just give you little incidental value. Uh, Wall of Omens, I mean, two mana to draw a card and then sack Wall of Omens to some sort of outlet. And then 
just get that back and keep recasting it, drawing more cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the fact that, yeah, that, that added clause that she shuts down graveyard shenanigans for your opponents, just icing on the cake. So, so good. I don't know. I'm really torn because I have an Aetherios deck. It's a cleric tribal deck that Aetherios leads, and you know, so it's the clerics of Aetherios. Would I replace Aetherios with Lysa? And I think I would at least give it a shot. Um, yeah, because it's not the same card exactly, but yeah, it's close. The, there's there's other pros and cons that that core that core mechanic of like then I then I don't have to worry about my opponent paying three life when I don't want them to. Like I'm always right. getting my clerics back and I can recur them for all the value that I want. Um, and I mean clerics <clears throat> of an angel that makes as much sense thematically. It, it fits the theme. Uh, yeah, there's a nice. little more counterplay against her because the it's not immediately goes back, right? So yeah, it's the <clears> end of turn. In the same way, like you're just gonna have to expect Bajukabog and stuff. Sometimes will be timed appropriately, right? Yeah, but at least you know have... when they do that to Aetheros, they've paid the life the turn they try to do that. Yeah. My so along that same line, my only real gripe is that in original Innistrad, when we got the the first three sisters and Avison, they were all mythics, and we <laughs> do not have a mythic Lysa yet. And I don't know mm-hmm. if they're going to turn around and give us a mythic version of her in Crimson Vow, uh, since she's been absent for you know the first two times we went to Innistrad, you know. I don't know that it would hurt to double down and give us two versions of her in back-to-back sets, but I also don't know that that's what I would want. But I am a little disappointed that she wasn't at Mythic when all the other sisters have been at Mythic in the past. And I think Cigar has been at Mythic every time. Yeah, all the other sisters have always been Mythic, I think. Because... Well, I think think Bruna in... Uh, Shadows or Eldritch Moon, whichever one she... She might have just been rare. I think Bruna was just rare, and Gisela was the mythic. Because it was one being, basically. Yeah. Well, they were two They were two halves of the same fused being. Yeah. But I was thinking that Gisela was the one who was more aggressively costed, had a bunch of keywords. So yeah, 4-3. Yeah. Yeah, it was going to be more right. of a standard playable... Bruna was like a seven drop that lets you tutor up and or resurrect an angel to your battlefield. So like sh- Bruna was the combo enabler, but she was much more expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. But in but in their original iterations in Innistrad, their multicolor iterations, all three sisters plus Avison were all mythic rares. So I wow. want a mythic rare Lysa to complete the cycle. Sure, I don't care I when it. I get it, but I want it at some mm-hmm. point. I mean, it kind of comes to my gripe of incomplete thoughts or <laughs> imbalance that just keeps happening like yeah mm. you know yeah. we'll get the swords we'll get the two color swords eventually right but the treason that they pulled on me in this set is we obviously have some legendaries in the mono colors we have at least a complete cycle of legendary two colors in, in rare yeah so we have all 10 we have a few black legendary that are creatures. We have one white, we have at least one blue, and we have one green. 
Why on earth is there no red legendary creature? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I get it. This was originally one set that got split in two, but this lack of symmetry, and it gets even worse now that I've been noticing, because thankfully Mythic Spoiler, like, orders them by color. So, if you look as the number of green cards, red cards, and white cards are equal, blue has an extra and black has two extra. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're ever going to find symmetry. I don't think they design that way anymore. Anymore. Yeah, I think that's the like the, the hard thing for me, because it used to be like a core set was, here's our cycle of five Planeswalkers, here's our cycle of Mythics, and here's your land cycle. Like, everything just felt so comfortable. Mm-hmm. But, now, like, and I don't necessarily mind, like, you look down at the multicolor stuff, we have a blue-white Teferi, a red-green Arlen, and a green-white... Sigarda as mythics that are multicolored, but I don't necessarily look as planeswalkers and multicolored mythics as something I hope to cycle unless it's a true, like, this is, you know, Strixhaven that was an enemy color set. Like, that's what it was doing. Yeah. I don't feel I don't feel that sadness. I feel it when it's, like, this imbalance of something that would have just been completely reasonable to do. Like, just make the Sunstreak Phoenix mythic or maybe even the silly smoldering egg or not mythic uh legendary like there's just mm. i don't know if it's willful or they didn't yeah. care or hmm. well i feel i feel like there's been a move and you look at this set too with the adversary cycle there's been this move because i i felt this way about the freaking flame skull in the forgotten realm set where you had this mythic that was just this three one that recurs itself often and it's like that doesn't feel like a mythic to me i recognize that it's powerful and for balance reasons maybe it had to be a mythic but like the adversary cycle doesn't feel mythic to me i mean they're good they're strong and again for balance reasons i can understand why they maybe had to be mythics but that's five mythics that you burned in a set that fans love that could have easily been more legendaries or could have been more big splashy cards that, that you know that people especially well, I say people commander players will get real that <laughs> commander players will be more excited about you know but it feels like there's mm-hmm. been this real move towards towards mythics that are geared towards standard play and I'm not really a fan and I mean I don't the end result of all this too is We've kind of gone to this design archetype now, too, that we have 20 Mythics on a set instead of 15 on average. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, if we just look at this set and cut off the adversary cycle, like, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Like, black gets one more than each other color, like, sure. Yeah, which on Innistrad makes sense, you know. It's growing pains, I guess. Yep. You play the game long enough, there's just going to be changes that you're not the happiest with. Right. I mean, like, I like the rare cycle. At least they gave us the five lands, all the allied color <laughs> lands. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine how uncomfortable I'd felt if there'd been, like, four of them for some reason. Hmm. And I do have to say, like, as another like, side note of things, I really love the black and white full art lands. Yeah, you have you have some plans to get a hold of those, for sure. 
I'm going to have to do some soul searching. Am I just buying an egregious amount of product to open them? Or are actually going to be responsible and just order them? The lands themselves? They look interesting. I'm not really over the moon about them. Um, I just, like, I collect a lot more than I do other things at some points. So, it just feels like a nice thing to have a collection. Because I have, like, a lot of other kinds of special lands and whatnot. Sure, I get that. I'm just I'm just not overly impressed with some of the arts on them. Like they look cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think all ten of them look great. But I'm not like eh. I'd like to have that to look at it either. It's not like I sit there and smile. Like I put them in decks. Like the the recent unset. I don't remember which one that was. Was it unhinged? I think so. I bought islands from that to put in my mono blue group hug deck that's commander kind of changes every once in a while. Like, there's a specific purpose. Like, I'm sure these aren't the lands that are going to be in the, the pre-con commander decks. So at least seven island, swamp, and mountain to do the curse deck would at least be my minimum commitment. <laughs> but that's probably mm. just in a, like, in a normal draft box which are stupid to get a hold of now, which I really hate. Yeah. I will, I will give them one big prop. I like that the set box physically is designed like a draft box now. It's something I hated about the set boxes. They were bigger. They took up space. You couldn't store anything in them. Because I have a habit, like, I'll buy product and I'll give away bulk to people, but you can't store bulk in a set box, really. Like, it just doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. Because you have that boxy open triangle space that, like, you kick it, you made a mess. Yeah. Well, you have a lot more product than the average person, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking through the, um, like the, uh, I don't know what you call them, the alternate arts for these. Yeah. I like them pretty uh, well. I like the black and white stuff a lot. See, the sketch stuff, like, like, honestly, Lysa and Sigarda's alternates, not as big on. Now, the the stuff like Tovalar and uh, some of the other ones like that, I think look really good. Yeah, the very um, uh, almost, graphic novel look. Yeah, yeah. the very kind of stylized. Yeah, they look really, really good. I like those a lot, especially um, Arlen. Arlen, I think, is my favorite. I think so, because shout out to Bloodborne. That, like, her, her flip side, her werewolf side, looks very Bloodborne-inspired. Mm-hmm. I'm digging that a lot. Alright, are we on to gripe time? Oh yeah. Yeah, if you I've like. I've been griping. I don't gripe, gripe, I don't, gripe, I don't have gripe, a gripe, gripe, I don't gripe. have a lot of gripes. Okay. I like the werewolf stuff. It seems fine. Uh and I will say just to just to counteract the gripes here real quick, I like that we kinda got kicker with the adversaries. I think that was cool. I didn't pick any of the adversaries. Mm. But it's yeah. nice seeing kicker come Well. Back. Again, the the adversaries like, are an ETB, so you can flicker them and pay that cost again. I, I like everything about the adversaries except their rarity. Sure, yeah. They're they're quite mythic. 
Like the fact that they're they're eating mythic slots, I just don't know that they're they're enough to warrant that. But again, they I like they the feel wolf like, for the wolf deck though. I do really like the, the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so what? What we have a we've had a prelude to the gripe. So yes. let, let's have it. I have I have my one huge gripe, and that is the bonus. I'm going to call it the bonus black mythic Jaren corrupted bishop. Two generic and a black for a legendary creature, human cleric, at mythic rare. Whenever Jaren corrupted bishop enters the battlefield or another non-token human you control dies, you lose one life and create a one-one white human creature token. You can pay two generic mana to give target human you control lifelink until end of turn. And at the beginning of your end step, if you have exactly thirteen life, you may pay four generic and two black. If you do, transform Jaren from a 2-3 human cleric into Ormondal the Corruptor, a legendary demon with flying trample and lifelink and has the activated ability of sack another creature, draw a card. And he says, Ah, Jaren, you've been such a faithful, useful insect. And Ormondal is a 6-6. And I, I said this earlier with Lord of the Forsaken. Lord of the Forsaken should have been Ormondal. They did not need to give us another flip card for Ormondal. Again, I, I, to me, I feel like Wizards has been living in the shadow of their own creation with Grizzlebrand ever since the first Innistrad block. And, you know, when we first saw Ormondal in Shadows Over Innistrad, loved it. The, the Westvale, like the land that flips into the Big Beater, he was a 9-7 with, gosh, a whole bunch of keywords, flying, indestructible, Lifelink, uh, I think he had one, haste. Yeah, he had haste. So if you managed to yeah. flip him, the turn he came in, he was ready to rock. And one on legendary demons, I'm really, really over the flat 6 6 stat line. I know that's the default for demons, the way that we have, you know, 2 2 is the default for bears, 4 4 is like the default for a lot of beasts 6 6 flample demons have kind of been the go-to for for years and years and that's fine for your normal conventional demons lord of the forsaken also a 6 6 flying trample demon that's fine for legendaries juice it up especially a legendary that you have to have exactly 13 life and pay six mana to flip there's no reason mm -hmm. that he shouldn't have been and at your end step, at a specific uh, yeah. step in the turn. Yeah, at, yeah. Your, at your specific end step. Like, they make you jump through a lot of hoops for a flying trample lifelink, which is good, but that's not that's not breaking. That's not game-ending on its own. They're, they're pinning a lot on the sack of creature draw a card, which, again, I, I'm throwing that under Grizzlebrand Shadow. They're like, well, paying seven to draw seven is too much, so... How can we put card draw on this and have it feel good, but it's not busted like Grizzlebrand was? So, I I just don't think for the hoops that they make you jump through, that Ormondal himself is nearly enough. And it's doubly a shame because his art is fantastic. He looks really really freaking good. And yeah, I just don't. I'm not. I'm not that overwhelmed with Jaren on his own either. I mean, they try to give you enough tools to manipulate your life total. The fact that you lose life and create humans that then you can give lifelink to, to kind of, you know, 
play play both ends, try to get you there. At least try to make it a self-contained thing. It's theoretically possible that, that Jaren is all you need to get to exactly 13 life. Uh, but again, I, I just think right. for, the, for the hoops they're making you jump through, Ormondal is not nearly enough of a payoff. We we saw this with uh, uh, Withengar, Unbound. Uh, he was a 13-13. Like, there's no reason Ormondal couldn't be a 13-13. That would not be too much. Especially, yeah. especially since he doesn't have any protection, he doesn't even have indestructible this go around. It's very disappointing. Yeah, there's a lot of well, disappointment. Like, I'm sure draft, he's scary as heck. But you know, if you can thinking, manage to flip him. <laughs> I mean, you just get to 14, then you play him because then you lose the life. Right. But nine mana to flip. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I'm actually kind of chuckling because this is a card that will be flipped by Moon Mist. Oh, nice. Because it transforms all humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That probably doesn't mean anything. Because, like, you're black-green playing a two-card combo to give you a card draw engine? Nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> no. No. I I will say, I, I, want to, I want to temper this rant with the freaking amazing story between the front and the back. So if you look, you can actually see uh, Ormondal's shadow leering over Jaren. Yeah. And then seeing the flip side be, you know, Ormondal looking down from the other. You're actually seeing the, the story from two different sides. Now, granted, Jaren's in a different position on uh, Ormondal's side, but you can actually see Ormondal's horns and wings in Jaren's art, and then flip around to see Ormondal. Yeah, the, the I love art, that. The art is handled really beautifully. Uh, yeah, the the other the other really irksome thing is that Jaren doesn't give a shit about demons. So like, you're not gonna run Jaren in a demon tribal deck to try to get Ormondal, because then you just have a one card. Thing. No, I mean, I but you run him in a humans deck because he's helping out humans. Right, but I don't want a legendary mythic demon in a humans deck. I want it in my demons deck. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, like Westvale um, Abbey. Westvale Abbey. You can flip. You just got to sack five creatures. It doesn't care what five creatures. Now it gives you the ability to create humans that you can sacrifice to it. But but as long as you got five bodies, you can get the OG Ormondal. And that's great. Yeah, I mean, maybe you just play this in your demons deck so you have something to sack to someone else's flashback marauder. <laughs> that's what I want for my three drop mythic. Hey, that, that works. That works one turn with me. You get that one turn, and then you sack the token. And then, yeah, you just yeah. sack it. You sack him out of spite the first turn. Like, yeah, yeah, it feels really rough, but I feel like in the same way I don't know what other condition it could have been. Like, maybe it should have just been like <clears throat> if you have seven less life than your starting life total for the game, then you can try to do the thing. But like, it being at 13 for a commander just kind of makes it like, oh, you're not really a thing. Yeah, yeah. It makes it really, really painful. Well, again, it makes it really painful for the payoff that you get. Now, if they'd yeah. really pump pump the gas on Ormondal on the flip side, like I, I'm not I'm not strictly opposed 
to a really difficult transform condition, but the payoff needs to be there, and I just don't feel that it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, Innistrad also has done some other things that are very probably fine for itself, but very uncommander. Like, Fate Flower is just bad for commander. Yeah. Here, five or less. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and that's that's where the gripe starts to layer and complexify. Uh, because this feels very much like a card that was designed with standard in mind and not commander. Um, which I feel is a byproduct of them tying commander decks into every new set. Because now they have a space for those splashier commander cards and they can keep that stuff out of the main set. And so what we get in the main set is now, compared to what it used to be, overwhelmingly geared to standard. Whereas it always felt like there were those oddball commander cards that, like, they they just they needed a couple extra slots. They threw them in for fun. They knew that, you know, casual players were going to grab onto them and run with them. Gives you another, you know, another kind of uh, angle of attack to get, get players to buy cards. Well, now they have this really nice, clean, built-in separation between Commander and Standard. So we just... Cards like this that should have been really fun, splashy Commander cards are now just... Honestly, I mean, I don't even think it's going to see play in, in Standard. I, I think it's too... I just don't think it's enough. But I, I mean, be it'll wrong. be a draft and pre-release weekend stomp yeah. monster, and that'll probably yeah, be his yeah. life. Right. And that's just... For, for one of the more interesting legendary demons we've had in a while, very disappointing. I understand. That's my gripe. I am so excited to I, uh, hopefully... I am excited to hopefully see a new Edgar Markov in uh, Crimson Vow. There is a card that notes that uh, he's not in the crypt he should be in. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> Oogie Boogie. <laughs> Oh yeah, gives you gives you a clue token. Yeah, except he'll be another. He'll be a standard competitive card, and he'll be garbage for commander. <laughs> Interesting hey, to figure out. He's a progenitor of like all vampires on Innistrad. Yeah. So, so I'm finding out, and I'm doing some research that these weird stork hippogriffs are just how they are in Innistrad, even in previous Innistrad stats sets. The hippogriffs yeah. have these stork heads. So yep. this is this is just an Innistrad thing, which is cool. I just didn't know. It looks <laughs> odd. Okay. That's my gripe. Stork stork hippogriffs. No. They're kinda cool looking. I just I was off put because like that's not a hippogriff, it's supposed to be an eagle head. What is going on? But yeah. They took some creative license, which I applaud them for. Alright. So uh, that's that's our cards tonight um, and our gripes and that kind of stuff. So we'll get to reviewing the set. Um, Matt, since you led us off for the night, and uh, what is your what is your rating of um, our return to Innistrad uh, Midnight Hunt? Uh, my rating is five of five unnecessary mythics. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Chance. I'm going to graduate from my normal scale of Gideon's still dead to, uh, you know, I'm going to give him an 8 out of 10. Where, where's the red legend? That's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. 
Um, I'm going to do a four-headed Hydra. Um, there are no Hydras in this set, which hurts it um, quite a bit for me as a you know Hydra collector, um, which isn't totally unheard of in Innistrad. We had the Udenwald Hydra. So, not like they aren't in this plane. Fingers crossed for Crimson Vow, I guess. Um, but um, I like a lot of the mechanics for this. Um, and I, I actually liked a lot of the cards when I got down to looking at them. Uh, and I like most of the cards you guys are talking about as well tonight. Um, it's just, I would love this set if I was playing in standard, I think, um, quite a bit. Um, but for Commander, I don't think there's a ton of great cards for me. Um, and the one I picked for the, you know, to commander to build around, I probably wouldn't ever actually build that. Um, but it's the most interesting one I found. Um, and that's, that's just my take as a primarily commander player. I'm just like, okay, I'm just playing. This seems like a good standard set for me. And if I was still playing standard, you know, Serka 2013, the last time I played standard, um, <laughs> I might enjoy this <laughs> a lot more, but yeah. And then also again, no hydras, but Hey, that's a, that's a personal gripe. It's faithful absence. I just found it by the way, which is the, yeah. Seeing Soren race to his grandfather's resting crypt, but someone else had gotten there first. Yep. It's empty. Yep. So, uh, thanks you guys for being on and thanks listeners for listening. Uh, Catch us at, at Hunter's Hub Pod on Twitter, where we're doing the weekly show still. Um, talking about video games and stuff. We we had Chance on for two weeks in a row, because I keep having people get sick or go to the hospital or whatever else happens to my co-hosts lately, which has been terrible. But <laughs> um, well, we had a good episode about mini games and the PlayStation's attempt to get us to buy um, a PlayStation 5, even though they're still not available. Um, there were some cool announcements. I, I, I know, Matt, you guys talked about the uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic remake a little bit in the chat. Oh, yeah, that was more D-Train show. I'm still very much just about Elden Ring. True. I mean, I'm interested. I never played KOTOR, but KOTOR seems fun. Seems fine. But anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time uh, when we get a bunch of vampires and some werewolves. Hopefully, some werewolves because we got a bunch. Because we got some vampires in this one. So later. Crimson Vow in like a month and a half or two. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. Have a good night.